Talk Live. We are launching into the program. You can take control of the airwaves, bring up whatever you want. That is the point of the show. 800-259-9231. It's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. We give you the features on the site for free, so enjoy those on us tonight. It's Ian with you. And Wayne. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. We give you the features for free, so enjoy those all at freetalklive.com. Unlike those other talk show hosts that want to charge you for accessing their websites, we give it away. Coming up, you might remember Snowzilla from a year or two ago. The city government in, I think it was an Alaskan city or town, uh, decided to go after some folks for building a, uh, a snowman that was too large. Where? Well, now we've got another story to tell you about. This one is the Snow Lady. We'll explain what happened with that. Of course, we'll take. I bet your... that lady ain't no lady. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> uh, we're going to take your phone calls first, though, of course, and go straight to Dennis in New Hampshire on the Amp Line. Dennis from the New Hampshire Liberty Line. Hey, what's what's on your mind tonight? Greetings, gentlemen. Hey, Dennis. So, so I was up at the uh, the state house today. You know, as every Wednesday, the the representatives go in and vote, and as usual. Um, you know, of all the lobbyists there, there were more Liberty Alliance people than all the other lobbyists maybe combined, uh, with the exception this week of New Hampshire Common Sense, which had almost as many people there as the Liberty Alliance, hmm. where okay. New Hampshire Common Sense is the, the marijuana sort of advocacy group. Right. So, so they were um, supposed to take up a vote today, and I just got word that, that they didn't actually get to this bill. But that would decriminalize uh, basically small amounts, like personal use amounts of marijuana, turn it into a fine, kind of like they have down in Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. And the kind of cool thing about this is kind of got me excited is that it's it's pretty much a slam dunker. Um, you know, they have 18 people on this particular committee, 16 of them voted in favor of this bill, and the only two who voted against it voted against it because it didn't go far enough. Oh, really? So, wow. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty psyched about this. This this is looking pretty good. Great. So what else but happened? What, well, it's just kind of cool, like the fact that the liberty activists outnumbered probably five to one every other kind of person that was there trying to influence the legislators. We had you know, every you know, these gold standards and this and that was it was pretty awesome. Yeah, so we, this we, we tend a full to hearing. Hearing. Yeah, we, a... we tend to forget this uh, here in New Hampshire. The expectation for uh, for people that are in you know, moved here for the Free State Project is, of course, we had more people there than any other lobbying group in uh, the the place. Of course we did. Every, every other state, all other 49 states, they wouldn't have – I mean, that would be a miracle. I mean, we'd have to send people from New Hampshire for that to happen. Well, and not only that, but, I mean, to say that we have, like, some friends in the legislature is sort of an understatement. Like, this week – our, our director of research, who normally email blasts out to all the representatives what the gold standard is going to be, just so they get it in their email box, he didn't do that this time, partially because we were real late in putting the thing together. And I'd say half a dozen state reps gave him hell over it, like, you know, hey, I checked in my email box, and where the hell was it? I, you know, I, I look for that every every week, you know, and they were, they were upset that they didn't get it in their email box, which is also kind of cool. So, and I think people don't quite get how normal and how much some of these people do have their heads screwed on. They they haven't really got the message of liberty, a lot of them, but they're they're a long way there. So one of the things the Liberty Alliance is doing uh, is coming up in a couple of weeks now is having just a little social mingler, a little soiree, a little, you know, cocktails and appetizers kind of thing, meets the reps. 
meet the Liberty reps, meet the people who are, by and large, 80, 90 percent of the time voting the Liberty way. So hopefully that will, you know, get some people to just hang out, talk, chit-chat, and hopefully get these reps to talk to more libertarian radicals like myself, which is always a good thing. Um, now, so, Dennis, is, um, I know that the NHLA rates the, uh, rates the representatives and um, that they give, you know, letter grades, and essentially you have to be in the top 90 two percent or something like that to get an a plus which is kind of generous but you know i'll call somebody with a 92 percent an a plus i'm i'm fine with that um and i think that there's 23 of them the last time i checked that were a plus rated how many of them can you think of off the top of your head um just take a poke at this number that are a a plus a minus you know those that rating how many how many in that rank you know, I don't know off the top of my head. I know it's been growing, and it's been growing a lot over the last three, four, five years. I mean, it, it's been kind of a, a killer the last, oh, God, four years, um, in that a lot of really bad people, frankly, won in elections the last two times. But it's kind of been good in that the people who sort of gravitated our way, who are like C plus, B minus, are now like they're, they're running to the people that, uh, I guess they feel more comfortable with. They're they're running in our direction, which is which is great. Um, we did get actually a state senator who was an A-rated rep. He just there was a special election. Now he's in the state senate, which yeah. is also kind of cool. You can feel, you can just sense this liberty tsunami about to wash this state over come November. It's, going to be pretty cool. Well, I'm glad to hear that uh, that you feel like momentum is building, and if there's anybody that's in touch with the uh, the political side of the liberty movement here in New Hampshire, it certainly is you, Dennis. Uh, you're working with the New Hampshire Liberty Alliance at nhliberty.org, where people can go to learn more about what's going on over there, and also, if it doesn't matter if they're not in New Hampshire, they can still help out via, uh, you've got people reading legislation and things like that. They can also, of course, contribute, uh, but it's, pretty, it's a pretty amazing organization. I mean, coming from a political background myself, uh, being involved in the Libertarian Party down in the state of Florida, I never even heard of anything like this down there. I mean, there are lots of people down in Florida that cared about the issues and doing something for freedom, but they never would have even had the amount of people to get together to to handle the sort of task that you guys are handling. I mean, literally, as I understand it, you're reading virtually every piece of legislation that uh, that comes out of the, uh, the the legislators, and you're analyzing it, and you're you're looking at them as far as whether or not it's a liberty-oriented piece of uh, legislation, or or how liberty-oriented it is, and what a a pro-liberty person would do as far as voting on it. Uh, and of course, as Mark mentioned, you're also rating the represent so-called representatives as they uh, they make their choices and determining if they're making the right ones for freedom or not. I mean, this is an incredibly volunteer, hour-intensive sort of uh, task that you guys have taken on. How many volunteers? does the organization have right now? All told, membership is something like a thousand. As far as hardcore people who actually read and rate bills, it's yeah. something on the order of a hundred, which wow. is just awesome. And that's yeah. you know, that's even more a hundred people, Dennis, is more than I ever ever seen at a Libertarian Party of Florida convention for the entire <laughs> state. Twenty-two million people in the state of Florida. Yeah, uh, Dennis, I'd like to point out one more thing about your rating of the uh, the, the politicians here in, in New Hampshire. Is I'm looking at the list right now, and actually there isn't uh, some easy way to figure out how many a a minus and a plus uh, politicians there are on the list. There's a there's a few of them. In, there's quite a few of them in there. But I'm looking at this uh, the the honor roll, which is at the the very end of the list, and it shows the sort of the 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 five the last five years the 25 best reps that have the you know their ratings and 
almost all of them, all of those reps ratings essentially go up over time, which to me says that the NHLA is having an effect on people who are here. This is from 2005 to 2009. All these reps ratings are going are, are on their way up. And that means that, well, the NHLA or somebody, something is having an effect on these people and they're voting more liberty oriented. Well, you, you may have seen the YouTube video when the, the Criminal Justice and Public Safety Committee was talking about one of the other marijuana, you know, freedom-type bills. And you get these hoary old Republican guys talking about how, you know, this goes against everything they've ever thought or believed in with respect to drug policy, but they've heard the arguments and the logic's inescapable and this and that. I credit so much of it to not just the Liberty Alliance, like, as an organization, but the people, the, the average person who has got through their head as much as the programming from other states has been put into their head that politicians don't care about you, if they actually do what we ask and literally call these people up, they're nothing special, they're getting 100 bucks a year for this before taxes, mm-hmm. and tell them how that you feel, whether it was really good or chew them out because something they did really bad. And literally, if you do that a couple of times, you really get the sense that these are normal people, and if you talk to them, you can start to have an... I mean, the mess, we all know... The message makes sense, and the logic is inescapable. You talk about the Free State Project and the, the synergy. It's just awesome. So, Dennis, I mean, what happened today? There was what Was it a hearing, or did they actually vote on the decrim? They, they were going to vote on it. They didn't get to it. They have too many stupid laws to, to talk about today, so it looks like it's going to flow until next week. Okay, very good. Will you keep us in the loop? You bet. Thanks, Dennis. Appreciate hearing from you. NHLiberty.org. More coming up here. Uh, Free State Project, almost to 10,000 participants. We'll tell you more about that coming up. You can bring up anything. Free Talk Live. This Your Family Today tip is brought to you by Libby's 100% Pure Pumpkin. Learn how to give everyday recipes a nutritional boost with the power of pumpkin at VeryBestBaking.com. When choosing fruits and vegetables, orange or yellow are your best bets. Vegetables like butternut squash, pumpkin, or yellow peppers are rich in nutrients that are linked with lower risks of certain cancers and heart disease. On the fruit side, cantaloupe, bananas, and oranges offer the same benefits, plus one more. Kids love them. For more tips like these, visit us at Parenthood.com slash YourFamilyToday. Free 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Wayne. And Mark. Join us online at freetalklive.com. We give you the features for free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that is freetalklive.com. So there's, as always, a lot to talk about. We'll get to uh, the snow lady here in a moment. But just a few more thoughts on our call that started the show out tonight here from uh, Dennis Goddard, New Hampshire Liberty Alliance. And, of course, he is a member of the Free State Project, as the three of us are tonight on this program. Uh, Mark and myself moved over three years ago here to New Hampshire from our hometown of Sarasota, Florida. Wayne, you also happen to be from Sarasota, not that, but we actually didn't know one another uh, before we, we made the move. And uh, so you made the move a little earlier than we did, about maybe four years ago now, I think. At, uh, at Five. Five. Wow. So, uh, so we've been here for a little while kind of watching in amazement as things have started to change in, I think, what is a very positive direction. And I have to say that when I was coming up here, I was pretty burnt out, and I still am, but not so much, not as much as I was when I first came here. I was, uh, you know, pretty, per- pretty burnt out on the idea of uh, politics in general. 
because looking at the national level, looking at the federal government and just the debacles uh, that go on there and how no matter who you put in, in place up that way, nothing changes for in a liberty-oriented direction. It just keeps getting – the government just keeps getting bigger and bigger and more oppressive and more expensive. And so – yeah, I'm, I've still given up on the federal government. I, I have no interest in trying to uh, to change that. But I am willing to work to uh, you know, toward changing the the New Hampshire government because I've seen some indicators uh, some indicators that things can be successful here. That uh, as Dennis pointed out a few moments ago from the New Hampshire Liberty Alliance, the so-called representatives here get paid a hundred bucks a year, so they're not as career politician oriented as as many politicians are that's not to say that those people don't exist even though it's only a hundred bucks a year it's still power and especially the new hampshire senate which only has like 20 what 50 people 25 people on it something like that they have 25 no not the senate there's 400 state reps though right that's but certainly the new hampshire senate attracts even the more power mongering people so we still we still have issues we still have problems i mean it's not utopia there's no doubt about that there's a lot that needs to be done but i've never seen a group of activists so willing to do whatever it takes in order to achieve liberty i mean they're reading all of the legislation Mm -hmm. that would make me want to put a shotgun in my mouth but for some people (laughs) there are some people out there that really dig that or at least dig it enough to where they're willing to spend their uh, their free time on it. Other people are doing different things like non-cooperation and civil disobedience to a level at which the, the liberty movement has never seen before. The political action and the outside the system stuff that's going on has never been seen before in the entirety of the liberty movement. Not, not that I've ever heard of. If, if this was going on anywhere else, I'm sure it would come across our radar. There are a few pockets here and there of some people in this country that are doing some good things. I like the folks down at uh, Freedoms Phoenix. I think they're probably one of the more active uh, groups down in, in the Arizona area. But They've got a lot long, lot farther to go. I they mean, have more people in Phoenix than there are here in New Hampshire. Right. I there's think. more people in Phoenix than there are in New Hampshire. You also starting at a at, at a point where Sheriff Joe Arpaio is, uh, you know, pr- pretty. Uh, pretty fascist kind of guy, and uh, you know they're dealing with uh, speed speed cameras, red light cameras, all that other stuff. I, we're just starting from a point that's significantly more free. Yeah, we don't have the red light cameras. We don't have a, a personal income tax. Don't There's have a no sales belt, tax. A law that an adult has to wear a seatbelt. Right. So you know, you know what I found interesting about what Dennis said is that he said that he was meeting a lot of mainline Republicans that seem to be more open now, which actually correlates with this recent study that it was a mainline study that showed that. I think it was over 80% of Americans had said that the, the federal government is a threat to their liberties and freedoms. Yeah, we, we yes. talked about that as a Rasmussen poll, isn't it? More, yeah, amazing, it was, more I, than 80%. Yeah, that was Rasmussen, which is fairly mainstream. And I'm just wondering how the how that question was asked, because usually when they ask those questions, they kind of lead you in a direction that they want to, and, and sometimes they'll understate what the real sentiment is. So the fact that they that it was that high really surprised me. So there's all kinds of wonderful, positive indicators about the future of liberty happening here in New Hampshire. The rest of the country, I don't know about you guys, man. I mean, I I feel bad for you that wherever it is you are, if you're not in New Hampshire, you really don't have much of a movement uh, of which to speak. Uh, That's why the folks from the Liberty Caravan are getting ready to kick off their trip across the country, driving all the way from California 
to New Hampshire. I believe that is set uh, scheduled to take off here in three days. So I think it's this weekend that they're getting ready. The people are going to be driving all the way across the country. I believe they may be picking up some folks on the way. So as they're driving across the country, other people may be joining in uh, to the caravan. And it's just a group of uh, different friends and associates that have, have gotten together and decided that they're going to move together to New Hampshire uh, as part of the Free State Project. And they're coming up to the New Hampshire Liberty Forum, which, of course, uh, we've talked a lot about. That's coming up in just a couple weeks here, the 18th through the 21st in Nashua, New Hampshire, at the uh, Crown Plaza Hotel. And Free Talk Live will be broadcasting live every single night. So I hope we'll have the chance to have some of the folks from the Liberty Caravan on. And there are all kinds of other uh, noteworthy speakers that are going to be there. People like Andrew Napolitano from Fox News. You might know him as the judge. He's going to be in attendance. Uh, You never know how many of these these folks. There's so many. There are a couple dozen speakers. You can go and get all the information over at freestateproject.org slash libertyforum. It is really quite the movement. And it's, it's just getting more mature as time goes on, as the activists... Many of them who have come here have never been activists before. They've never gotten involved where they were, but now that they're excited enough to to actually see what's happening here, they're getting jazzed up about actually getting active. When they come here, there are all kinds of things they can plug into. And it's not just activism, it's also social occasions. You know, some people in this area get together on a weekly basis and they they hang out, they play games. There's uh, there's like a movie night. I mean, there's there's a real social network that's uh, that's going on here as well. So it's it's just, it's just something that allows liberty-minded people to get together with uh, with other folks, and it's been great so far. And it hasn't even gotten right. halfway done yet. I mean, it's it's right. ten. Oh. We're not even to ten thousand participants, and only eight hundred, uh, just under eight hundred of them are actually here in New Hampshire well, so far. Eight hundred have reported uh, moving. I mean, we know that we know for a fact. No, that it's many- not eight hundred have reported moving. It's eight hundred here in New Hampshire because there's a few hundred of those eight hundred that were already here when and New Hampshire. And there's probably won the a vote. few hundred that have moved that haven't reported that moving. So Maybe that's speculative. I've I've met quite a few um, in my own yeah. personal life. Well, I'm I, I use wouldn't the be official able to numbers. Tell- so. Right, I understand the official numbers are are there on the yeah. website. And you know, I was I was trying to think of a good way to say this, but government's still growing in New Hampshire. Mm-hmm. It's just growing less than it would be if it wasn't for these 800 plus people uh, doing their thing. I'm trying to trying to make it stop. And once 20,000 get here, I think we're going to have some of uh, some luck in rolling it back. It probably it may even start rolling back before 20,000. I would get think here. so. I think 2000 uh, would be pretty great. Let's go to Heather calling from Texas. Heather, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello there. Hi, good evening, gentlemen. What's on your mind tonight? Hi, well, I heard you guys talking about um, activist groups that were reading through legislation um, that was going through their state congress, and I belong to a group that actually does that. We are Texans for Accountable Government, and we're based in Austin, and we read through the legislature. Well, we started last, um, uh, last session, and I'm getting really excited about this coming session because we have more people involved and uh, getting excited about actually reading through the bills and going to the committee hearings mm-hmm. and killing the bad bills right there in the committee. Cause that's how many, where we uh, have the, most how many power. Of the bills are you able to read? Well, gosh, it's, uh, we can read a few a, few a day. We uh, pinpoint the committees that have the real important bills come in, and uh, that's how we choose our battles. We'll come back and talk to you more about Texas, if you don't mind. Hang on, 800-259-9231. Maybe they were inspired by the New Hampshire hey, Liberty Alliance. sounds great. 800-259-9231. You can take control of the airwaves. Bring up anything. This is Free Talk Live. This program is brought to you by Freekeen.com. Freekeen.com features audio, video, and blogs chronicling the transition to a voluntary society. 
Freekeen.com also has comments and discussion forums so you can be heard. Freekeen.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves, bring up whatever you want. Dial in toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Wayne. And Mark. And you can join us on our website. Freetalklive.com is the place. So head on over to freetalklive.com and enjoy all the features, including our shrine of female listeners, the dozens of ladies who've sent us their validated photo or video showing they are indeed listeners of this program. Go to shrine. Dot freetalklive.com. Speaking of Freedoms Phoenix, uh, as we discussed them last segment, uncovering the secrets and exposing the lies, that's what the readers of freedomsphoenix.com get every day. Readers of freedomsphoenix.com are constantly provided the detailed real news that lies between the lines of propaganda and the relationship that we have with coercive governments. I do my show prep over there at freedomsphoenix.com. I'm on their daily dispatch. You can go sign up for it today at freedomsphoenix.com. All right, 800-259-9231. I believe Heather is still with us listening in Texas. Heather, are you there? I am. Now, Heather, we were talking, uh, we started out the show with Dennis Goddard from the New Hampshire Liberty Alliance calling in to kind of give us an update of some of the exciting uh, things that are happening here in New Hampshire, kind of inside the system political activity-wise, and uh, was extolling the virtues of the fact that there are so many activists that are working with this group, that they're actually having an effect on on uh, making it so that these uh, rep- so-called representatives actually have some liberty-oriented uh, ideas with which they can vote on and starting to change the direction of the debate and the discussion here in New Hampshire. And, of course, I uh, supposed that there weren't really anything else – there wasn't really anything else like this out there. And you called in to correct me to say that actually you, within the last session or whatever, the congressional session in uh, Texas – you and some other folks have gotten together and formed the, what was it, Texans for Accountable Government or something like that? Yeah, and we actually didn't form for this, but we are going to start taking this on. Because I worked with an organization, it was 511 Campaign, and we were specifically about the RFID and the, real, the enhanced driver's license. Mm-hmm. And so that's specifically the bills that we were looking through. Because, you know, it's, it, there's a lot of language and you got to, you know, dig through that stuff. Anyway, so that's how it started, and I um, work for Texans for Accountable Government, and so I think I, uh, we are a coalition-building um, activist group, and what we do is, um, you know, rally different community groups within the Austin area um, when something is going on, when there's a bad bill coming through, or when the Austin Police Department's doing something that we don't like, and we work with all the different community groups to, to put some pressure on them, to hold them accountable um, in the public eye, because um, that's you know, what's real to them. So how long has your organization been around? um, Actually, it was a year, last August, so about a year and a half. Mm -hmm. And how many uh, members uh, do you all have? How many members do you have? Yeah, how many members? Uh, We have about 200, like, dues-paying members. Mm -hmm. Um, But we have a lot of people on, we have a big Facebook group, and uh, we have a consistent, you know, 20 people that will show up, you know, we'll have things twice a week going on within you know, from the city council to the state legislature, because there's still here there are hearings. Like for example, we just had a um, the lieutenant governor try to pass an interim charge to expand the ImmuTrack registry to include everyone who has taken the H1N1 vaccine, which would in essence put everyone who has not taken it onto a list. And with all the legislation that's passed federally that has to do with quarantines and things going on with forced vaccinations. You know, we thought we needed to go stand up for ourselves and not be put onto a list. And, you know, wouldn't believe the surprise from the chairwoman who found, when she found out, 
that she would go to jail if she didn't take the vaccine that was um, deemed necessary during a state of emergency. She called the doctor back in who had been on the panel earlier and asked her to help him help her sleep at night. That wasn't true. And he was like, he didn't know what to say. So I'm glad to hear that you guys, it sounds like you may be having an effect there, even even in an incipient sort of uh, beginning stage. Now, it's got to start somewhere. Question for you. uh, Is the Texans for Accountable uh, Government... Is your group, uh, does it have any sort of principle to it? Is there, uh, is there like a liberty-oriented belief system there, or are you just trying to hold people accountable to something? Right. It, it is, uh, you know, the mission, um, it is pursuing the, um, the ends of liberty through local nonpartisan activism is the, ma- and the mission of our organization. Excellent. And, you know, we work at a city and, and from, you know, the legislature to the police department. And that, like I said earlier, basically a coalition building because that's how we can are most powerful is when we work together within our community to fix the things that are going on rather than the state coming in. Now, are you a Texas? Fix- are you Texas native? Just curious. Oh no, but I've been here for ten years. Yeah. So now, have you? Are you familiar at all with the Free State Project? Yes, I am, and actually, I thought about it when I first kind of woke up to what's going on, and uh, it's just too cold up there too for me. Too cold, huh? Okay. Yeah, well, you know, I've certainly I've certainly heard about that, and it's just the thing is with Texas. I mean, you've got 24 million people there. I was looking at the the details on the Wikipedia here. Apparently, Texas has 150 members of the House of Representatives, so a lot think, more people per valuable. district there. Yeah, I, I think it's I think there are lots of advantages to the Free State Project. It's certainly, one of the disadvantages that I found when I moved up from Florida was the cold weather. But it's been three years, and I'm used to it now, and it doesn't mean anything to me. But I understand that uh, that objection. That objection. Fine. I think it's great that she's uh, getting out and doing this stuff. And you know, the only the only job of the Free State Project is to be so successful that she doesn't have any choice that she has to move up. That's all. <laughs> hey, good luck out there, and thank you for the call. Appreciate hearing from you at eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. That is the SACL CAI toll free line. So while there may be some folks out there that are reviewing bills, I, I don't think you anybody can claim. Uh, outside it's of not New a competition. Hampshire, right? They, they, it is a competition. I don't think anybody can claim outside <laughs> of New Hampshire that they actually have people reviewing every single piece of legislation that is being proposed for uh, the the legislature to uh, to look at. I think it's great that uh, America, you know, that Americans are waking up and and doing things. That's it. It's great. One eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. That's the SACL CAI toll free line. You can uh, take control of the airwaves. I think it's great as well, but I, I think that that it is a competition. Uh, I, for one, feel as though it's a competition to see who can uh, secede first, uh, to see who can achieve the most liberty in a as, as short a, a period time as possible. What's wrong with having a friendly competition? I don't, um, you know, I don't see anything wrong with it. But New Hampshire's so far ahead, it's kind of like, you know, ha ha, waving from the uh, finish line at people. <laughs> It's not nice. <laughs> you know, so I think it's great. I think that every I think it's good that everybody runs in the race. New Hampshire's way ahead in the race for liberty. Way ahead. Well, now on the secession front, Vermont, I would say, is a little further ahead. There's actually a Vermont party, a secessionist sure, party. Yeah. Uh, there's a significant movement that gets ma- the press coverage fairly consistently across the country out of Vermont. So, you know, the, the liberty movement, I think, is more mature in general in New Hampshire, I think, overall. But I would like to see a little bit more secession activism, personally. I, I'm for that, too. Yeah. But I think I, what I would suspect is that they don't have nearly as many secession activists in Vermont. 
they have half the population, so I don't think they have well. They're certainly half more attention. As many activists, uh, sure, but they're not. They're working on one particular issue. They're not trying to shrink the size and scope yeah. of Vermont's government. Oh, well, you said there were more secession activists in New Hampshire. If that were no, true, no, then no, be no, a no, 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 that's not what I'm saying. I, then there are liberty activists in New Hampshire. I didn't really get a chance to to round out my statement because I was trying to do the math with Vermont being um, half the size of of New Hampshire. And I don't think there's half as many activists. They, they've got their little secession group, and it's great. But oh, no, that's why I said that the New Hampshire liberty movement is far more mature and far has more larger. participants. Right. But the secession movement specifically in Vermont is more mature than the the, the one here in New Hampshire. So it's not like we're winning on every uh, every single think, front. Just I, 90 plus percent. Yeah. Qu- quite frankly, I don't think it, it matters, the the issue of secession. I don't think you'll get the op- – many states will get the opportunity to secede before the United States government manages you to spend, it, spend itself into an, an incredible collapse. Well, nobody really knows when that's going to happen, right? I mean, they only provide two things, uh, military and monetary, and that's all they provide. And once they collapse their currency, which is what they're doing, then the only thing they'll have left is a bunch of soldiers they can't pay. The toll-free number here is 1-800-259-9231. That's what you think s- about that, Wayne? Well, I can, I'll can. i chip in to see if we can get some of them home. <laughs> I'd lo- I would love to get those guys home, yeah. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. Uh, Coming up here, are the soldiers fighting for freedom? Well, if they think they are, they certainly, the reality of the situation is they are not. They're actually fighting for uh, the orders and the whims of politicians. And banksters. There's not much freedom to be found here, especially when you can't even have a snow lady in your front yard. We'll explain who the snow lady is, what it is all about, because some people were very upset. Over a snow lady. Did you jiggle? No, made out of snow. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Take control. Bring up what you want. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronics, photo, cell phone, office product, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supply, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, a great deal, delivery to your door, and a percentage of your purchase will go to Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon through Amazon.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up what you want. Just dial in toll-free, 800-259-9231. The SACL-CAI toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231. Tonight, Ian with you. And Wayne. And Mark. And we invite you to our website. Freetalklive.com is the place to go. There are a lot of features, and we give them all away. Now, if you enjoy this program and you want to help support Free Talk Live, shop with us at amazon.freetalklive.com. You just enter Amazon through that link. And Free Talk Live will get a percentage of your purchase. It is that simple. You know Amazon, the world's largest internet retailer. Got a great reputation. I've always been satisfied with my purchases from Amazon. And indeed, they even have more products than you can imagine because it's not just Amazon. Amazon actually brings in other retailers that sell through the Amazon label. It's a great site. There's so many products, dozens of categories. You can even buy used. Start your shopping at Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com. Are you thinking about starting a business? Here's a word to the wise. Incorporate at LegalZoom.com. Incorporation can help protect you against frivolous lawsuits that could wipe you out. LegalZoom.com is fast and easy. I've used it, and it is. 
They do all sorts of legal documents, patents, wills, trademarks, LLCs. Use code FTL to save $10 off your order at LegalZoom.com. Not only is it fast and easy, but it's uh, significantly less costly than going to a lawyer for these documents. LegalZoom.com. 800-259-9231. We continue here uh, with the Snow Lady. Story is from New Jersey, NJ.com, the Star Ledger. She was a frosty Venus de Milo, but one Rahway family's snowpacked tribute to the Greek goddess of love and beauty was another person's pornography. <laughs> Maria Connorin and her family worked feverishly to fashion their armless, nude snow lady from last week's heap of snow, grabbing attention and photographs on Rahway's Colonia Boulevard. And it really does look like the Venus de Milo. It's beautiful. Yeah, it looks fine. Very well sculpted, and they did a great job with it. Not all the attention was good, however. Among the visitors was a patrolman dispatched to the Connoran household after Rahway police received an anonymous complaint. Isn't that how it always yeah. is? Somebody who doesn't have the... Uh the, in, the, the, the inclination to actually uh, do something about it themselves, they just call the authorities. Of a naked snow woman, said Sergeant Dominic Sforza. She sure was, the family gleefully agreed. Curvaceous, bodacious, and bootylicious, said Elisa <laughs> Gonzalez, a court mm-hmm. reporter who built the snow goddess with her daughter, Maria Connorin, 21, and son, Jack Shearing, 12. Connorin said, but she had a six-pack. When the officer arrived, Gonzalez said he was apologetic and appreciative of the snow lady and her assets. He said it's very good, Gonzalez recalled. Despite his appreciation, the officer then asked the family to dress the snow lady. Hmm. Now, it's so interesting when police officers ask you to do things. In many cases, they will actually use that term. I'm asking you to blah, 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 blah. I'm sorry, but I have to ask you to da, 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 da. But then it kind of behooves you to ask a question and response, and that is that, well, just to clarify, are you asking or are you ordering? <laughs> if you're asking, the answer is no, sir. Right. The, if you're asking, the answer is, well, this is my property. This is the snow that fell on my property, and I can organize it in whatever darn well fashion I would like to organize it. Despite his appreciation, he asked them to address the snow lady nonplus. They complied with a green bikini top and a blue sarong around her ample hips. I thought she looked more objectified and sexualized after you put the bikini on, said yeah. Gonzalez. Honestly, I, 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 I feel the same way. Connorin and Gonzalez said the visit from the police reminded them of former attorney general. Where did general- they find a bikini that large for that one? <laughs> I, I don't know. I'm- Obviously, she's not that large. She's, she's big. She's, look at look at next to that woman. Well, she's she may be small. Uh, <laughs> she's, she's definitely bigger than the uh, the average lady. Um, but anyway, Connor and Gonzalez said the visit from the police reminded them of John Ashcroft's move to drape a semi-nude statue of the Spirit of Justice when he arrived to lead the U.S. Justice Department. And you may recall we talked about that uh, happening on this program. Our Snow Lady looks like marble. It looks like a statue. Connor and said, "Are you going to go to the Met and cover up all the statues?" William Torres, visiting the neighborhood from North Carolina, agreed the snow lady should have remained all natural. Torres said they're censoring art. To me, that's no different from what you see in a museum, and its lifespan was short anyway. Indeed, on Monday, the family took down the snow lady because with the return of warmer weather, she was starting to melt away. The Venus de Milo may be gone, but the Connorans said they'll continue to their work with the next snow. This was not their first foray into famous snow sculpture. Last January, the family created a realistic bust of the newly inaugurated President Obama. So, but they work. One of them works for the government. I mean, so actually, the lady that owns the house is a court reporter. So she's a she's a bureaucrat. 
So I just want to share that. 800-259-9231. If you are somebody out there listening who agrees that the snow lady should have been covered up, that it was indecent to have this naked snow woman out in front of this person's home, I would love to hear from you at 800-259-9231. Now, in the past, you and I have disagreed about uh, art in people's yards, uh, snow art specifically in people's yards. Um, now I yeah we had the snow penis controversy a few yeah, years there ago. There was somebody. Yeah, <laughs> this is a long penis. one. It, it's somebody made some kind of you know grotesque and uh, offensive giant erect penis yeah, in their penis. yard. And I, was you that know, your yard, Mark? Well, it was not in my yard. And I'm a, you know I I find that offensive. However, when you're talking about something like this, this is such a you know, th- this is just art. I mean, this is just a it's an interpretation of the Venus de Milo. It's a pretty darn good one from where I can see it. And yep. this is some rube redneck that can't handle real art. And uh, you know, t- to me, there's there's uh, it, it 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 it's you know the, the comparison is even even isn't even the same. Well, art is in the eye of the beholder, Mark, and I understand that you're saying it's real art because it's an imitation of something that has kind of been popularly uh, thought of as a piece of artwork for a long time, the Venus de Milo. So you're kind of just defining art as what's popular. Whereas a, a penis, a snow penis, uh, which was quite a co- quite the controversial issue when it uh, when it came up on this this program. Some people would say that's not art, but others would disagree. And I don't care what you think about the snow st- sculptures that uh, that have been built on my property. It's my property, and I should be able to build whatever snow sculptures that I want to. And the fact that uh, if you don't want to allow a snow penis, then you are on that same slippery slope that allows people to be disallowed, uh, that essentially encourages people to be disallowed from doing things like the Venus de Milo. So... You want to draw your own line, and other people want to draw their line elsewhere from where you want to draw I think, it. But no, Why no, can't we just draw the lines that, that of the never, property that line? Was not, that was never the disagreement. Um, the, the disagreement was what's going to happen to it. And I'm telling you that if you make something horribly offensive out of snow in your yard, somebody's going to come along and knock it down. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Right. So, so you're not saying that they shouldn't be allowed to... Do what you want. Be, be as offensive as you want to be. Gotcha. And expect... The consequences. Right, right. Oh, expect so I people in the community. Now I recall. You, ex- were, you were actually advocating that happen. Expect people in the community you, to knock down your disgusting... You were actually advocating that people trespass and uh, destroy your property. The, 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 the snow. The, to rearrange the snow. Oh, that's not, that's not your property? It, it certainly is. Oh, okay. Yeah. Hey, hey, look. Wayne, I'm, your thoughts on all this? Because I've heard this loudmouth before. <laughs> this loudmouth. Well, you know, I wouldn't want to really offend or tick off my neighbors, but I, I think that if I had something that I made in the yard... Regardless of whether somebody thought it was obscene or not, maybe it's a snow, maybe it's a little igloo, and somebody says, "Well, it's not safe. Some child might go in there and get buried. Whatever it might be, that's the labor that I've put into it to make it, and and I I might just take it down if somebody brought up a good point that maybe it is dangerous for kids around. It will fall on them, but it, you know, people get too puritanical. I think they just need to drive by. If they don't like it, don't look at it. Absolutely right. That's how I felt about it. And I think that's what this all stems from is the puritanical roots of this uh, the, this country, this intolerant attitude that anything that has anything to do with nudity is somehow sexual. No, and an erect so, penis is not, a, uh, is not nudity. It's something different. That's sexual. Uh, why, a, flaccid why is a, penis? Pe- a flaccid penis? 
not sexual. Oh, you're going to tell me that's not is. sexual? So would you be all right with somebody building a flaccid penis in their front yard? I, I think that, uh, a <laughs> statue of David would be fine to me because then it's, you know, sort of anatomically correct. Uh-huh. I don't see any reason to fixate on these particular <laughs> body parts. In the same way, I don't see any reason to go out in your front yard right next to traffic and take a crap. Well, uh, you know, I mean, whatever it is don't you, you do, think it's expect possible? people to react yeah. to it. Don't you think it's possible? Obviously, people expected a reaction. That's why they made a snow penis in the first place, and right? it probably And the reaction wasn't good, was it? Well, some people liked it. I'll bet. Some people didn't. Some uppity people who have a problem with body parts didn't like it. And that's where it comes from. I think that the fact that anybody would want to build a snow penis in the first place likely comes from the fact that people in this country are so repressed. I, and, I would agree with that. And if there weren't, if there wasn't so much sexual repression going on in this country and puritanism, then maybe people wouldn't be so obsessed with uh, naked body parts. It's the fact that, they, as they point out in this story, now that they, they covered up the snow lady with a bikini and a sarong bottom, that it made her more uh, sensualized or sexual. How would you uh, cause an erect penis, uh, you know, a four foot erect penis built in someone's yard out of snow to be more objectified? I, I don't know. You can't. Because it's already an in your face item. 800-259-9231. It wasn't put in anyone's face, Mark. It's just on someone's property. Go to a now nude you're beach. getting sexual. Go to a nude beach and enjoy yourself. And after a while, you won't even notice people are naked. That's just it. I mean, I've what, been people need beaches. to get over their damn selves. More coming up here. You can bring up anything. Take control of the airwaves. Are they offended when they see themselves naked in the bathroom every night? Power ah! 2 coming up. Free Talk Live. How long can you hold your breath? (sighs) Not long. After air, water is the most critical factor for life. There are dozens of toxic substances in tap water, even pharmaceutical drugs that city processing can't remove. Sadly, most bottled water isn't much better. The chemicals in the bottles themselves are a serious health concern and a huge environmental problem. Filtering your own drinking water is the logical answer. You'll have a much better quality of water and save a bunch of money, too. Aquasana filters are thorough and more affordable per gallon than even pitcher-type filters. Aquasana is consistently voted the best choice by Consumers Digest. The filters are easy to use and install. Call 866-NO-BOTTLE to order or link online through freetalklive.com. If you'd like a 20% discount, and who wouldn't, when ordering online, use the discount code FTL. Again, that's FTL. Or call toll-free 866-NO-BOTTLE and tell them we sent you to get a great discount on all Aquasana products. Drink smart. 1-866-NO-BOTTLE. Talk Live. We are kicking off the second hour of the program. You can take control of the airwaves and dial in toll-free. Bring up anything at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231. And don't forget, you can join us online, of course, at freetalklive.com, where you are allowed to control the content of the website. You get the opportunity to submit different news stories and other things that you might find interesting uh, to the site blog posts, opinions, rants, whatever you want. And then other listeners can go and vote them up or vote them down. And you also can vote up or vote down these uh, the items that you find on freetalklive.com. So head on over there, get yourself an account. It's free, of course, and get interactive over at freetalklive.com. 
As we continue here, you are welcome to bring up absolutely anything. Meantime, we'll uh, share some things that we think you might like. Uh, like Wayne, you've got something for us that is kind of a repeat of of a story we've done in the past, or something that's a phenomenon that we've discussed in the past, but it keeps rearing its ugly head. So, for the benefit of our listeners that perhaps not have not heard this yet. What is going on out there? Well, apparently cities are shortening traffic, yellow traffic lights for deadly profit. Reeling through a 20th century, 21st century addicted to technology and surveillance, citizens may be too overwhelmed to complain about of increasing cameras popping up atop red lights at intersections across the nation, most of which are designed to catch them breaking traffic laws. That is, until they're caught in those intersections as the yellow lights unexpectedly change and cars in front and in back of them hit the brakes or punch the gas to avoid tickets. Though, point of information, uh, there have been some protests recently, as I understand it, uh, amongst the liberty movement, and these protests have not happened here in New Hampshire because I don't know if these cameras really exist up here. Right, but the, so. the red light cameras uh, have been garnering protests around the country, down in Savannah, Georgia, I think. I think the Freedoms Phoenix folks yes. have been doing something as well. Uh, Taryn Lupo over at LCLReport.com has been uh, mentioning such things happening over at his uh, he's out of savannah and so so he's well aware of what's been going on where they've been protesting these uh, red light cameras i don't know if that's going to do anything but nonetheless people are pretty upset about them and this is a real good reason to be upset it's bad enough that they're using these cameras to extract money out of people but it's worse that they're actually changing the yellow light times and i'm sure they'll specify the details here to essentially make it more likely that you'll run a red light and more likely that you'll be issued a ticket. Unfortunately, it also means that you're more likely to get in an accident. Correct. Because when these when these motorists find out that those cameras and lights are being gamed, uh, sometimes lethally, in pursuit of a quick profit, they get mad and maybe even uh, for being used as uh, motorized money pits. With all the stories we hear on a daily basis... There is little doubt that the desire for ticket revenue trumps safety concerns, says uh, Gary Biller, executive director of the National Motorist Association. A quick current example is California's governor, Arnold Schwarzenegger, who a few weeks ago proposed a state budget, including a proposal to add speed sensors to 500 existing red light cameras. The reason? Safety wasn't mentioned. But <laughs> an expected additional revenue of $338 million was. Roughly, multiply that revenue by 50 states, and you quickly get the idea why red light cameras designed by companies like Arizona's Red Flex Group and American Traffic Solutions are an increasingly attractive crutch for America's cash-strapped cities. Yep, the more so-called cash-strapped. You're starting to hear that term thrown around a lot these days. Uh, we talked about another story earlier this week where they were using that term about how desperate uh, the city governments are for, for cash and what they're willing to do. Uh, the, the more cash-strapped they become, the more desperate their measures will be as far as trying to extract money from people and the more absurdities uh, they will stoop to. I mean, we're already facing countless regulations, countless code uh, enforcement rules, just an, an, an unending cavalcade of just non sense that uh, micromanaging that they're forcing on people and now they're doing things that are actually going to put people in jeopardy they're actually yeah they're willing to put your life on the line in order to make 50 more bucks right these um, 50 million because what these uh these red light cameras do is they um, you know people people have an expectation of how long a yellow light's going to be and i don't know how long that is six seconds whatever oh, it is. i don't think it's that long uh, whatever it is they have an expectation as to how long it's yeah. going to be if they shorten that expectation then you're that much more likely to run it because you have this 
sort of standing expectation as to how long a yellow light's going to be. Right. If you do, do if you do run it, then uh, you get the ticket. And, but what happens is people run it, they get the ticket in the mail, um, they pay it because they're good little citizens, and then the next time they slam their brakes on. Mm. And so the person behind them, which has an expectation of how long a, le- a yellow light's going to take, and you have an expectation of how lo- how people react at red lights because of that, well then those the, the people react specifically at that light and probably generally at other red lights um, in in a, in a much different fashion because they're getting tickets now what they're doing is they're creating a situation where people are not safer because of these traffic lights they are less safe That's so right. what more, what the, more does the story say and this is an unsafe shortcut because they haven't necessarily proven very effective at anything other than generating ticket revenue and accidents lots of accidents in fact studies have repeatedly shown that red light cameras can cause more accidents, not less. They're not particularly good at generating legitimate tickets either. Illegal camera setups at intersections in Seattle are issuing invalid citations. About 80% of red light violations in, in Los Angeles are comparatively safe rolling right turns and so on. Right. Because what they'll do is they'll go after people who, you know, you're allowed to turn right on a, um, a red light, mm-hmm. but people don't come to that full, complete rock back stop right. because people some people don't even know that you're supposed to do this that you when you come to a stop sign or a red light that the car is supposed to come to a full complete stop and the vehicle is supposed to rock back mm-hmm. and then you're allowed to go right as opposed to you just using common sense and looking right who who right. cares about that crap and by the way if you take a look at what cops do they do the same thing oh, of course. Right. they just don't get tickets as a matter of fact i got um i had a police officer following me today um from uh, he was he was going to his town through mm-hmm. mine and um you know, he. I was going 55 miles an hour. I love to do this. Love to do it. If I get myself in front of a cop, I will go stick the the the, the um, cruise control cruise control at uh, 55 or whatever the speed limit is, and make them go the speed limit. And uh, <laughs> then we went to pass. Then the passing lane came up, and the guy passes me. I got up behind Jim. him. He was going 65 miles an hour. Mm, and that's uh, illegal. And I said, you know, if if I'd have got appointed to a constable, which is this, this silly little position in my town that essentially you go around and find out about people's dogs killing other people's chickens, yeah. that kind of thing. If I'd have got appointed in a council, uh, you constable, you a light up on the top of the car. You wouldn't get anything like that. No, no. <laughs> I wouldn't even have a gun. I, mean, I can't. I can't own a gun. But I, could, gun. I could go after him and, and give him some trouble. And, and, it, it abused my wife, yeah. if nothing else. Wow. But meanwhile, 15 states have elected to prohibit red light cameras, and more are surely to come as motorists learn that some American cities have been shortening yellow lights for deadly profit, as in countries like Italy quickly follow suit. Right, so it apparently uh, hasn't really mattered that 15 states have outlawed red light cameras or that all of this statistical information is out there. The studies are out there. This is We've been talking about this for years on Free Talk Live, so it's it's been long known to us, but apparently all of this knowledge is, is not reaching the minds or ears of these bureaucrats, these politicians that are passing these laws in the various different cities and uh, towns around the country that have the, the red light cameras. Either that or it is, and they're ignoring it, and right. they don't care that people are dying. Well, it's it, they. Um, there's not enough noise being made. You know, they 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 don't. The public doesn't get outraged when they say that red light cameras are coming in because people too busy. Yeah, they're, they're too busy. They're placid. Mm-hmm. They don't do anything. And I then drive the, okay. I have nothing to worry about. Right? The politicians uh, say to themselves, "Well, I'm not hearing anything from my constituents. We sure need the money." Let's go with it, man. It, it'll, mm-hmm. it'll make us this much. Obviously, when the red light camera companies come in, they don't say, and you'll have this many more accidents. Right. <laughs> they say, you'll make 
$50 billion. Exactly. And you'll have 10 times as many accidents. That's an exaggeration. You'll have 20% more accidents at red lights. Not right. to mention the the fact that you're also impoverishing the people that live in the area as well, because that money is going to the state as opposed to being used oh, for yeah. like politicians purposes. care about that. No, obviously they don't. <laughs> I mean, because they that's what taxes are impoverishing yeah. impoverishing people for well, uh, the, the sake of government. Yeah, well, the states and the towns are flailing around with with budgetary problems. Their their revenue is is declining, and their expenses are not going down nearly as fast. In fact, in some cases, their their expenses are increasing. Mm-hmm. And, and they're trying to find all these creative ways to raise more money. And this is not the one. 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Why don't they cut their spending? Yeah, right. Stop wasting money. What you a concept. Well, they've got bureaucrats. Uh, they, you know, they can't they just got cut. families. Those right. bureaucrats have families. All right, there's more coming up here. 800-259-9231. The underground food business expands. We'll explain what's going on in the world of illegal food preparation. It's Free Talk Live. Become a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 per month. You'll get perks, and you'll help us free more minds worldwide. Visit amp.freetalklive.com. Talk Live. You can bring up whatever you want. Dial in toll-free to 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Wayne. And Mark. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. The features are free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. And if you hate making extra trips back out to the car to carry in more grocery bags... Well, you can solve that problem, like I did, by using the Totasack. Go to totasack.com. It's a 100% recycled materials uh, handle made right here in the United States, designed to simplify all kinds of carrying tasks. For me, makes it so I can bring the groceries in from the car in one trip. T-O-T-A-S-A-K.com. That's totasack.com. They carry more than you can, a lot more. Totasack.com. As we continue here, we've had Mama Allie on the show a couple times now. She is an underground entrepreneur. And she's very, very courageous. She is running a 24-hour food service delivery operation. She is serving food, not in her home, but she's essentially taking it to where you are. So you call up, you order whatever you want to order, and she uh, you know, sends either herself or a delivery guy out to, uh, to bring it to you. And it's, that way she doesn't have the overhead costs that a lot of uh, restaurants will have and can save a significant amount of money running the operation, thereby passing the savings on to her customers, making it so that, especially in a down economy where people's budgets are kind of tight, that they can still get great home-cooked food at a, an affordable price and deliver it. I mean, it's a really a wonderful service, and I'm jealous every time I talk to her that I, you know, I don't have somebody like Mama Allie around here that I can call up and uh, you know have deliver food. And I think it would be a very useful service in any city or town uh, in this country, a food delivery service like that, that doesn't have to do or involve a, a brick-and-mortar restaurant. But because she's not in the system like that, because she doesn't have the health permits and the commercialized kitchen with the the $200,000 stove vent or whatever it is, the exhaust systems, all kinds of requirements, and the requirements are different depending on which bureaucracy or which city government you're talking about. But she doesn't have all that stuff, and so therefore she's illegal. She's, she's an illegal. She's cooking food without asking the government's permission, without paying the government's bribes, well, she's still paying property tax, but she's not paying the specific bribes that uh, that they demand of somebody who's running a business like that. 
And she's not the only one. Uh, if you want to see her, if you want to hear her interviews, you can go to guest.freetalklive.com. But I came across this story today uh, out of the Boston Globe at boston.com. The rules are simple. Your friend or a friend of a friend or a friend of a friend of a friend heard about this thing. And all you have to do is bring $50 and a bottle of wine to this apartment, the exact location of which will be revealed to you sometime after your RSVP. Wink is a roving uh, roving supper with no physical address. There is no website, only its creator, whom we'll call Chef X. An anonymous email. An ever-shifting array of and an ever-shifting array of cobbled-together place settings in an ever-shifting array of homes <clears throat> around Boston. X has clandestinely descended upon these kitchens some 60 times over the past three years. Restaurants are great. It's loud. They give you a menu, and then they bring you whatever you want. And dinner parties are great, but then you have one person paying this huge sum of money. I guess this is my way of creating something that's sort of in between, says Chef X. My favorite conversation is hearing everyone sit around and say, so how do you know about this place? <laughs> I first meet Chef, uh, Chef X in a local library, and he slips me a brown business card with nothing but his name typewritten on the front. That is, written with a typewriter. Wow. And the words... one of those. Yeah. And the words, Wink Supper, scrawled on the back in longhand. I flip it over a couple of times, and how do I get in touch with you, I say. You don't, he says, sliding a white pad of paper and pen across the table. I'll email you. X's alias is more than a nod to the cloak and dagger. Wink and outfits like it are illegal. They take paying customers, but they're off limits to and off the radar of city health inspectors. Called supper clubs or underground restaurants. Their modern roots in the United States are firmly planted in Portland, Oregon in the early 2000s, where the underground scene helped put that city on the culinary map. Since then, it has spread all around the country, a genre of vice that most people, if not tempted to try, would find relatively harmless, amounting to chefs serving patrons at makeshift tables in their own homes. Still, for Chef X, it's a genre not without risk. The last time the Globe covered an underground restaurant, a charming little place called Love Plus Butter, (laughs) the owners got spooked by an email from a health inspector, took down their website, and for all intents and purposes, disappeared. Which is... Frequently what happens when news organizations do stories on things like this, people that are just making a living for themselves, people that are just doing something without begging the government's permission first, it tends to bring the attention of uh, of bureaucrats. You know, there are a lot of restaurants like this in foreign countries in South America and in Europe that are legal. And people go there and, and you, you they don't have the advertising and they don't have this, the, the capacity, but they can still make a pretty good living. Yeah, word of host, mouth. Hosting people in their own home. If the food's good, people are going to tell people. <laughs> right. yeah. It's so silly, the idea that, that somehow without the health inspectors out there that the food would be unhealthy, as if people want to to poison their patrons. Yeah, they want they want people vomiting all over their house. Well, the interesting thing about stories like this, and there's more to it, uh, but the interesting thing about it is they're pointing out here that this is illegal, but yet people don't mind. <laughs> it's, it's clear that people absolutely do select and choose the laws that they are interested in following. Sometimes when we talk about the absurdity of the laws, uh, that, that the statutes and ordinances and acts and things like that that governments have and how it's impossible to know what they all are, sometimes people will apologize for, uh, for, the, for the system. And they'll, they'll say things like, well, I'm a law-abiding citizen. And normally I'll respond with a question like, well, do you speed? And many times that catches them because, I mean, who hasn't sped, right? 
Sometimes you couldn't possibly obey all the laws. That's that's just it. But 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 to make the statement that people pick and choose the laws that they uh, that they obey, because some people could claim, well, I accidentally have sped or whatever. It's clear that people pick and choose. I mean, this is illegal. Shouldn't everybody, if they're law abiding citizens, pick up the phone to the health department as soon as they find out about this guy and report him? No, they don't because they want a good, good, good cooked meal and they want yeah. to enjoy it and they want to be left alone to, the, to their own. They uh, want this five star chef to prepare them this intimate meal and this this neat setup and 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 why shouldn't they want that? It's 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 great. Yeah, and it looks very fancy. I'm looking at some of the the pictures. Uh, it looks like a very fancy kind of preparation of food. You know, um, and and to to speaking to the people being law abiding citizens, it's absolutely ludicrous. If you think to yourself you're a law abiding citizen, it's because you haven't read the laws. Mm, yeah. Um, uh, you, you and I were you just at, don't know what you're breaking. You you and I were at karaoke the other night, and um, you know, I'm like, look at all the civil disobedience going on. He looked a little a little baffled. The fact is, in New Hampshire, it is against the law for you to nod your head, tap your foot, or in any way move your body to keep time with the music in a restaurant or, or, or excuse me, in an establishment that serves alcoholic beverage yep. to live music. I mean, you people were dancing. You can't do it. It's against the law. But all these people were breaking the law, and they right. didn't know they were breaking the law, and it was fine, and it was okay. Someone should have called the police. Well, you know, according to New Hampshire law, because I'm a convicted felon, I can't cut my steak with a steak knife. You know, that would be kind of funny, Mark, too, just as an aside. We go to karaoke on a regular basis here in, in Keene with some of the other activists, so it's kind of a weekly thing that goes on. But it would be kind of interesting to place a call to the police department and say, uh, yeah, we've got some people breaking, uh, look up the actual code in the yeah. and find out what the <laughs> somebody would have to do that right find out what the regulation is people are, we've got people breaking rsa number blah 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 here at uh, the the bowling alley right i haven't personally <laughs> looked this particular law up so i don't know what the numbers are or anything like that i'm just taking somebody's word and for just, it but you know, just hear what the police say about that See if they send somebody out. <laughs> It'd be hilarious. It would be, especially if they actually did something about it. It would be kind of sad. It wouldn't have been the intention of the, the phone call, but just be kind of an interesting test. There's more coming up about Chef X and how he X. does his illicit, illegal business. Maybe you could just Cooking. inform the cops and maybe you can get yourself a, uh, a reward or something. Talk Live, bring up anything, dial in toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Wayne. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. We give you the features for free. And those features include archives. So if you've missed a moment of the show, you can just click and download. They are yours right there on the front page of the website. In fact, if you go to the podcast, you can go all the way back to the beginning part of 2009. All free for you over at freetalklive.com. 1-800-259-9231. We continue telling you about Chef X here in a moment. Have you ever lost power? It's inconvenient for sure and maybe even debilitating. Now imagine you could flip on a switch and have your solar backup system provide you with quiet power when you need it. No fumes or noise like a gas generator and not nearly the maintenance. Go to mysolarbackup.com now. Check it out. You're the one that's responsible for providing for your family's safety. It's mysolarbackup.com. I don't know, Mark, if you recall this, but a few years back, several years back probably now at this point, uh, we did a lo- – back when we were still doing a local show, because it was a local show, it didn't matter if we had businesses come in to talk about their cert products and their services. So, for instance, since we weren't getting paid to do the show in any way, shape, or form at that time, one of the ways that it uh, was nice – one of the things that was nice, one of the perks about the show back then was that we had dinner 
provided for yeah, us on a, on a regular basis. I mean, we had this Italian restaurant that would come in on a weekly basis and bring us some food. We Dimitrios? pretty much... Uh, yeah, it didn't matter. Uh, but uh, who knows if they even exist still. Yeah, but uh, we we had, I think we almost had every day of the week covered. Most weeks, I think we had some different uh, company coming in to bring us. It was like chicken wings from this wings place. And uh, there were uh, pizza. We had, uh, pizza and, Bennigan's. and uh, pasta and Bennigan's. And, and we actually had a personal chef. And that's where I wanted to go with this. There was a, a personal chef whose job it was to essentially come to your home to cook you meals Using your own equipment, using your uh, your stovetop and everything that's in your home, he would come, he'd bring whatever stuff that he needed to make the food with, he'd cook it all up for you, then package it, essentially, in freezer-safe packaging. So he basically would make a week's worth of meals for you, or however long it was in the periods between his visits. So he'd make a whole bunch of meals for you, put them into the freezer, and leave. And you'd pay him for this service, and he's a professional chef. Guy knew what he was doing. The food was absolutely delicious. And I was just wondering, is I don't think he had a license. He didn't seem like the kind of guy who would have something like that. How is a personal chef different from one of these folks, from one of these underground chefs that is marketing himself very quietly toward other people, and taking people and, and, and being very cloak and dagger about the entire thing and giving them a secret location uh, very, very late in the, uh, the, you know, the, the business deal as far as where you can go to to actually have the meal prepared, etc. Well, the difference is, is that this fellow is not soliciting customers from outside the home. He's going into the home sort of like domestic help and perform, performing a service for them using their their own equipment, but he's not soliciting business from the outside, from people coming in, strangers coming in. But I get the feeling that this uh, Chef X guy moves around, that he's not doing it from his home necessarily. He has differing locations because they talk about how there are multiple kitchens, an ever-shifting array of homes around Boston that this guy goes to to do the cooking. That's cool. <laughs> so I just I just don't know what the subtleties are of this, and maybe it's maybe it's illegal in Boston and not illegal in Sarasota, Florida, uh, to do this kind of thing. But uh, I, I don't know. Just, I, maybe if you know more about it than I do, please share at 800-259-9231 the subtleties and the differences. But let me continue telling you about Chef X. Uh, again, very cloak and dagger, very secretive the way he's doing things here. His invitation arrives by email. You don't get his phone number or his email address. He gets your email address and then tells you basically uh, when you get to meet him. Mm. Uh, the, email, the email says, bump knees and break bread with friends you haven't met yet. It reads, pinpointing the location of the next wink at, house, at a house somewhere in Boston. Oh, and tell someone who hasn't heard yet, it concludes, but quietly, okay? At 7 o'clock on a Wednesday, guests begin leaving their shoes at the door of the designated house. Across the room is a tray of lowball glasses, a finger of dry vermouth with bitters over ice and a slice of Meyer lemon in each. These glasses will hold our wine later, we are told, and so a quart-sized Pyrex measuring cup sits ready to receive our spent lemons. An empty glass jar to its left sits ready to receive our money. The 13 of us, 20 and 30-somethings mostly, mill about in our socks on the carpet of this stranger's home. Little in common among biologists and artists and computer programmers save this current association with the foodie noir. And yet perhaps because of this complicity, conversations spark as readily as they do during minor public transportation emergencies. Guests set bottles of wine on a chest of drawers. Stacks of folded 10s and 20s, suggested contributions is what he calls them, pile up in the jar. The last arrivals trickle in. We all ask one another, as predicted, 
How did you know about this place? At 7.30, X shows us to our seats at two long tables set at opposite ends of an otherwise ordinary living room. A third table set between a sofa and love seat remains empty. Cancellations happen, it seems, even underground. It is walk-ins that are less common. Over the next... <laughs> <laughs> Except for the cops. Yeah. Over the next two hours, X and his assistant, another local chef, finish off dishes in the kitchen and then serve them tableside in the living room, swooping past diners to plate eight courses with the intimacy and decorum of truly great waiters. This is a poached fig, X tells us, stuffed with blue cheese and toasted almond and topped with bacon. This very fancy sounding fare here. It is so good. You well, they're not it. coming to yeah. eat in somebody's living room for, for lasagna. In okay? low over, this is low overhead. This is a, a recessionary time or depressionary time, whatever you want to call it. And, and somebody like this, a chef like this, can actually make a pretty good living when he doesn't have to pay all the overhead. Right, he doesn't have to pay for the brick and mortar, he's not done, doesn't have to take a cut and give it to the corporation or anything like that. All the money goes to pay for the food and the rest goes into uh, to his pocket. And so it's great for the diners because they're probably saving money. They're, they're spending, you know, 50 bucks or 25 bucks on a very, very expensive meal that might otherwise cost far more. Uh, so the food, of course, as he points, excuse me, it's a sweet potato soup served with argan oil, which comes from a tree native to Morocco and was found in our host's pantry. Mm. This is a local chorizo sausage served in a saffron-infused stew of leeks and tomatoes. The food, <laughs> of course, is what brought these strangers together. Most of it is excellent. There are elements in X's cooking that might go into quotation marks, a quinoa risotto, for instance, with cremini mushrooms and a whole roasted cloves of garlic, or a mustard green pesto spread on toast with shiitakes. Mm. When eaten with a healthy slice of garlic, which is as creamy as mashed potatoes, the firm, earthy canoa actually succeeds in achieving the tricky textural balance of a true risotto. The mustard green pesto falls more into the category of interesting. X has offered a dish that doesn't so much recreate a classic as offer it with a less flavor as offer it with less flavorful ingredients. Still, it's not bad, and if that happens to be the highest defense of the weakest dish, the menu is clearly in good hands. The guests, between small talk, complement the food almost continuously. Otherwise, as interesting people tend to do when meeting one another, they're gently sussing out who is the most interesting. We eat each course with the same flatware. Chef X plates food onto the same plates. Napkins are paper. Guests open bottles at random and pour wine into one another's glasses. The general vibe is one that would fit perfectly in a hipster South End bistro. Last comes a salad of lettuce, fennel, and pomegranate seeds, followed by a half a dozen varieties of chocolate from the local chocolatier Taza. When the last of the wine is gone, also to true fashion, guests depart, and they leave happy. One ex tells me later begs him three times to bring Wink to her apartment. He tells her he'll think about it. There are moments when I'm scurrying around trying to put together 15 forks in someone's house, and they've only got 13, and I'm thinking, damn it, this would never happen in a restaurant, X says. But a restaurant is a completely different project. At the end of the day, my job is to set the table, to light the candles, to cook some really good food, and bring people here. This is what I was hoping it would be. Wink is currently accepting reservations if you know where to send them. (laughs) But I love his line there. This is what I was hoping it would be. This is what... He wants to do. He wants to provide people with the unique dining experience that is uh, that is affordable as it is uh, just incredibly tantalizingly magnificent and, and, and mysterious. Yeah, and maybe even a little dangerous. Well, feeling. but that's that, that only yeah. exists because of the black market aspect to it. It wouldn't necessarily be mysterious if this weren't uh, something that he had to skulk around in order to do. So there is that aspect, and I'm sure that's attractive to some to some extent. Uh, but nonetheless, this guy is getting to live out his dream. Rather than slaving away, maybe he does have a full-time restaurant job, we don't know. But uh, rather than necessarily slaving away in a restaurant where he only gets a portion of his efforts, 
he gets to reap his full reward for the uh, the work that he puts in, and he gets to satisfy people directly without having all the other stuff going on. And that, pay uh, his mortgage. Has. There's more coming up here. You can bring up anything. Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever's on your mind. Just dial in toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231. Tonight, Ian with you. And Wayne. And Mark. Join us online, freetalklive.com. If you enjoy the program and you want to help support Free Talk Live, you can become an amplifier for as little as 3 bucks a month. We'll take that money in, reinvest it into the show, and get on more radio stations around the country, bring more internet listeners on board with the program, expose new people to the ideas of freedom. Head over to amp.freetalklive.com. You'll learn about the perks you get access to, like the amp-only call-in lines, chat room, forum, and more. Go and get signed up with any major credit card, PayPal, or some alternative options over at amp.freetalklive.com. Dot com as we go to your phone calls. Let's start things out with Rob in Ontario. Rob, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian Wayne and Mark. Hi, guys. Hey, Rob, what's on your mind tonight? Well, I wanted to give you uh, what I think is a little bit of good news out of our Canadian Parliament today. Okay. Uh, they had the speech from the throne, which is when the government outlines what they want to do during the next session. Is that like the State of the Union address or something yeah. like that? Yeah. Gotcha. It, yeah. So what our government is doing, uh, well, let me back up. First of all, our telecom industry is dominated by three main country, uh, companies. And mm-hmm. up to this point, the government has not allowed foreign uh, cell phone companies to come in, like Verizon and whatever else, AT&T, mm-hmm. to, to, to take that market, any part of that market. So are so all the result, companies up there Canadian-based? They are not companies that exist elsewhere? They're Canadian-based. Bell, Bell Telephone. Yep, okay. Uh, you know. Yep. And uh, Rogers is another one. So uh, the government said today was they're going to throw, op- throw open the doors to foreign competition in the telecom industry. So that means that people with cell phones, uh, certainly Internet, and possibly TV, you know, our prices should be coming down. That's great news, if it's it going to actually news. happen. So, um, you know, I mean, uh, the government uh, up to this point has been controlling the marketplace, but uh, I guess they realized, well, we since our two countries do have a free trade agreement, um, you know, why not open the trade and, and make it a good deal for, for Canadians? Yeah, why not? I mean, there are all kinds of businesses that are operating up in Canada that had their genesis down here in the United, uh, the so-called United States. I mean, you've got you've got McDonald's, you've got uh, actually Canada. I think still has Circuit City. The uh, the U.S. Circuit City went out of business, but the Canadian uh, brand stayed open. No, 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 we don't have that. No, really? It's gone. Oh, well, we okay. have. We used to have Radio Shack, but they changed their name. Huh. It's now called the Source. Got it. Well, yeah, I know that when I was up there visiting in Toronto, I did spy a lot of chains that existed, uh, that also exist down in the United States. Well, yeah, so, we have Best Buy. Yep, there's Best Buy up there. So, um, so Walmart, yeah, why not allow the cell phone companies yeah, anyway, to so, have yeah, some competition? So, um, save some money. Great news. Anything else you want to share tonight? Nope. Hey, thanks for the call. A little bit of good news coming out of Canada. 1-800-259-9231. Yeah, you know, broken clock strikes right twice a day. Sometimes governments do things right, but most of the time they just get bigger and more oppressive and more intrusive. We continue with Jim in Iowa. Jim, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian Wayne and Mark. Hey, guys. Uh, I had a question for you. I wanted your advice on a problem that I'm going to be having in the near future. Okay, sure. Um, I, again, I'm a college student, and in May, I'm taking a large group trip from Chicago Airport to Washington, D.C. 
And we're going to, as far as we know, all the body scanners are going to be there, fully installed, ready to scan. Mm. Um, as far as I know right now, to my knowledge, it's still an optional, it's still optional and you can do like an optional pat down. Yes, it's my understanding um, as well. But my concern is uh, what if by that time something happens and it, it makes it mandatory that everybody has to go through these body scans. Um, there's 60 of us going through and I really, it's based off of what you guys have said on previous episodes and I just do not want to go through these body scans um, and I was just wondering what you guys would do if you were in the same situation where if you were in a large group of 60 people and you, I, I brought this up to some people in the group that were going I'm like hey does anybody else want to stand in solidarity with me to not go through the body scans mm-hmm. and they all kind of looked at me like I was crazy um, I got to tell you, if I'm going someplace, I already know what's up, and um, you know, I've I've made my decision before I go. Kind of the way my decisions go is, I try not to travel anymore. I prefer not to because it's a pain in my butt. Right, but he's going. So if what I would could you drive, do? right. If if I'm going to go, I'm going to go through all that stuff. I know what I'm ready for. I, You're going to get I, the pat down and all. Yeah, that. I'm yeah. going to do whatever it takes to go through there. I mean, I I know. Why would I go to the airport and say no? You're not going to do it. You know, what I mean, I'll tell you what's going to happen if you tell the TSA no. You're not going. You're going to stay in Chicago. Well, no, no. He's You're willing to get padded down, just not right. body scanned, right? Right. Oh, but my concern would be if it's mandatory, is there anything you guys would say? Would you create an incident with all the other people there? Would you just kind of go along with the other sheep and just do it? Well, you know, there there was a study at MIT showing that those, Nick, those full body scanners use terahertz waves, which literally unzip your DNA and, and, and damage your, your cells. So I might even have a copy of that with me and, and show it to the TSA, it's, it, giving that as my reason why I wouldn't want to do it, and, and also showing some concern for their health being around them as well. But your question is, if it were mandatory, what would you do, right? Correct, because I really want to go on this trip, but I my principles just tell me this is something I do not agree with and I don't want to do it. You may not even have to do it. Good. Well, right, because it's it's like you said, it's your understanding that at this point it's not mandatory. So you mm-hmm. imagine, I imagine you'll be choosing the alternative options. But you know, the question becomes, at what point do you draw the line? I mean, you're okay. Obviously, you're not okay with the other option, but you want to go on the trip, so you're willing to uh, to put up with it in order to uh, to go on through. And that's what I think a lot of Americans do when they go to the airport. They know this stuff sucks. They know that it's frustrating and it's awful what the TSA is doing, but they want to get to where they're going, and so they're willing to to put it up to put up with the inconvenience. I of think it. a lot of people are under the impression that somehow the TSA is doing something to keep them safe a lot of, i'm sure a lot of people are but a number of them are would probably prefer to not have to go through the the hassles yes. uh the taking off of the belts the hassling the the old ladies and the children the small children the forcing the young boy to take his uh what was it the leg braces off and, and yeah. walk through as a cripple i mean it's just crazy all kinds of the, the woman that had uh, the rings torn out of her nipples uh from, i mean it was just in nuts Ouch. So uh, the question becomes, or the question is, what would we do if it were mandatory? Well, I, I guess if you're going to the airport, you've already accepted it. I think it's like, you know, wh- what are you going to do if you make a scene? They might throw you in a cage, and it's certainly not. You're going into a cage is not going to bring down the federal government. Uh, so I don't know what the point of it would be. I would say that if you disagreed with it. 
that maybe you would want to schedule some sort of a, if you really cared enough about the issue, you could schedule some sort of a protest. There have been some ideas about uh, people going into the airport and, you know, doing like a naked thing, like where they, they take off their clothes down to their underwear or something like that. That could be a possibility. I guess it would just all depend on how much you care about that particular issue and what you're willing to put on the line. Some people are willing to get arrested over smoking pot or being naked in public. Other people might be willing to be arrested for uh, doing disobedience with the the airport scanners, although we haven't really heard about anything like that happening yet. Not that not that it hasn't I, happened, we just haven't heard about it. Well, I just uh, saw a news article about two Muslim women in Britain who both refused to go through the uh, body scan, one for religious reasons and one for health reasons, and they were denied uh, access to the air, to the uh, airplane. They didn't go on. They didn't go to Pakistan, their destination. And I think they said that was the first instance of that happening. Yeah. Well, so, they might be terrorists. They're from Pakistan. <laughs> what uh, yeah. What do you hope to accomplish with uh, with uh, you know whatever it is that you're hoping to do there? Well, I want to first just stand on my principles and not let this invasion of privacy and not let them get away with this, to me at least. Um, if it's still an option, it's still a lot of pressure. If I'm the only student out of 60 other people, 60 of my friends, I'm the only one stepping out of line, getting over there and getting patted down by some big you know, buff guy or some lady. Uh, so either way, it's, it's a lot of pressure. Well, I think that in your case, the fact that you are willing to go through the, alter- the alternate screening method may bring some of those other 59 or 60 other people to to question the circumstances. I mean, maybe some of them will think you're crazy, but there's a chance that a couple of them might get a little bit um, – their interest might be piqued by your uh, your actions and your refusal to go along with the prescribed manner of security screenings. And that might lead to right. a, a conversation or two. As you say, it sounds like you've already been having conversations with people. So that could be uh, – that could be that could make it worthwhile. Yeah, that's also my other goal is to – have them see me and say, wow, what is he doing? And then that brings up conversations that gets more minds thinking about what are they doing walking through body scanners. So that's also my other goal. There's that, and and it may just be that they've never thought of saying no before. Most people don't really realize that, well, they have the option. In this case, like you say, in the U.K., they don't, but in the United States, they should still at this point have the option uh, to opt out and, and go with the secondary screening. And so you could at least open their minds to the fact that it's not necessarily as it's presented, that, that just because they're saying step through this doesn't mean that you have to. Thank you for the call right, tonight. Great. Good luck. Let us know what happens. 800-259-9231. Hour number three is coming up. You, as always, can take control of the airwaves at 800-259-9231. This is Free Talk Live. It's time. Wake up. This is just in case you care. And yeah, I'm talking to you. That's my booklet of truth for the people of America and the wake up call for action to save our freedom. Get a copy for you and your friends at yamtalkingtoyou.com and get involved with saving our country. That's yamtalkingtoyou.com. If you want to be part of the solution, otherwise, just go back to sleep. You'll adjust to enslavement. Talk live. You can bring up 
anything. Island toll-free, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. And uh, tonight, it's Ian with you. And Wayne. And Mark. All right, so we continue here. Uh, you can, of course, bring up whatever you want what else uh, was on the docket for tonight? I was uh, pretty distracted here during uh, during the the news break. Uh, did uh, did either of you have something you want to bring to the table? Otherwise, I can jump into the email box. Let's go for the email emails. All right, we go to Charles, who writes, uh, I think, what is a fairly challenging question from a show you did a few days back, the one where you were talking about Avatar being criticized for essentially glorifying the imperialist undertones of the movie, your comments uh, sounded a bit critical of the actions of the humans in that story. You said something to the effect of how it was wrong for the people to come in and invade the aliens' property and initiate force and aggression against them. Now, I haven't watched Avatar myself, but I was thinking about property rights in a free society with regards to non-humans. If the creatures depicted existed should they be granted property rights what about highly intelligent animals like chimps and other great apes what about not so intelligent animals what about mentally deficient people where do you draw the line and what is the qualifier for those who should and should not have rights what if neanderthals or homo erectus were still alive where would they stand i would love it if you guys could talk about this on your show now just to set the stage here he's talking about avatar for the three people Jeez. listening that haven't seen it <laughs> how can somebody not have seen this movie at this point uh it's certainly one of the most popular movies in in history wayne you haven't seen avatar haven't yeah. seen it how about he's, that he's not the sort to get out to movies too often yeah. well but, i don't get out you, to movies too often either but i made a special trip for this one you know i used to go to movies all the time when i lived out in hollywood but i've gotten away from it now being a dad and a father, there's just too many other things to Lots do. Lots of other options. Sure, sure. That makes uh, total sense. Uh, for me, I just don't like to go because it's 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 expensive. Uh, I like the home theater experience better because I can pause it, go to the bathroom. And with a movie like Avatar, which is a almost three-hour-long film, uh, it gets really uncomfortable if you try to hold it the whole time you're sitting there. There's no intermission. I used to but, like to go to the matinees in Westwood because I could go during the day, like at noon on a Saturday, and, and, and go see a movie or two. And they're right. half price. Yeah, if you're going to go, matinee certainly is uh, is the way to go, and that's that's how I went to see Avatar. But but the Avatar experience, the way they did their 3D and all that other stuff, um, and the the IMAX experience, you can't replicate that at, at home. Not yet. Maybe well, IMAX is going to be pretty hard to replicate at home. But the 3D is coming, and that's they're already getting ready to release 3D television sets. So I mean, that's almost right around the corner. Sure, but um, you know, you you pay nine dollars for the right. IMAX tickets. You pay nine thousand dollars for the new 3D initially. Television. Yeah, yeah. But, but down the know. line, it'll get cheaper and probably get cheaper fairly fairly quickly. Uh, but nonetheless, the issue in Avatar is that the the humans are the aliens because it, it takes place on a different planet, Pandora, and the uh, the people that live there, the indigenous folks, they're blue and they're nine feet tall and they have tails. And they live in a tree. And there are some other uh, versions of uh, the, the, the species that live in other places, but the main group that uh, is in the show lives in, the, uh, lives in a gigantic tree. And so the human aliens, if you will, come in and they basically uh, – they destroy these people's land. They want to get access to uh, the stuff that's underneath 
the, there's a chemical or a mineral of some sort that's underneath the uh, the big tree. So they literally destroy the the tree and they displace these people from their homes. So it really becomes it's a big property rights issue. I mean, it's their land. They actually talk about that in in one point of the film. It's it's our land, and you know how can you do this? And so that leads to Charles's questions about well, how do we determine what does what beings do and do not have property rights? So let me start with his questions again. We can ad- we can address them here. His first question is: uh, If the creatures existed, should they be granted property rights? The Navi, that's yeah. the the fictional uh, these, group of creatures. Well, creatures. In this in this case, yes. I mean these these people are as human as you get. They're they're essentially they're clearly sentient. Yeah, they're 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 um, a spinoff of uh, essentially they're modeled after uh, the American Indian. I mean it's it's so it's so obvious the the way they ride the horses and the the look on their faces and the way their faces are constructed and things like that. I mean these are yeah the guy who played the the tribal leader was actually the same guy who played I guess the tribe leader in Dances with Wolves. Okay, which I mean, was a strikingly similar themed film from what I understand. Yeah, so yeah. I mean th- these are this was what it was portraying was yeah. a different type of people not some you know essentially alien race but that's fine uh you know we can talk we can talk about um but uh sentient you know things on this planet and stuff like that and we'll see how that goes well, right, but, but in, in this the- case yes if these people were nine feet tall blue um could talk the, in the way that they talked yes now of course, how do you determine whether something is uh, sentient or not? I mean, the definition of sentient or sentient is having the power of perception by the senses conscious. I mean, do you think that kitties have consciousness? I think so. Well, it's uh, not like ours necessarily, not exactly like ours, but uh, I think there's consciousness there. I think that uh, I think if you're going to afford rights to a group, that mm-hmm. you need to be prepared to afford all of those all rights to those groups they need to have the right of property ownership they need to have the right not to be killed and eaten they need to have the right to to own um, you know own things and uh, to, to speak you know all the things that we have the right to religion all that stuff and it's going to be it's going to be a big mess trying to apply those rights to mammals in general um at, or vertebrates or something like that you're gonna have a it, it's gonna be a big mess i want to come back to the rest of his questions but get your thoughts on this let's go to the phones tim is listening to kbyo in monroe louisiana tim you're on free talk live well good evening boys hey, tim what's on your mind tonight um just uh first a question for y'all um you know i know you're quakers but i never hear any women on there you know one of the the you know the great um great moves in Quaker society was the women's movement, you know? It's a great question. Uh, It's a great point. Over the years... I'd like to hear women's voices. Y'all have those lovely ladies of liberty, but I want to hear what they got to say. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I I agree with uh, with what you're saying there. There is a lady who does appear on this program occasionally, not as often as I might like. uh, Yes, I've heard her one time, and then there's that wacko lady. Wacko lady, I don't know. What it calls yeah, in, that mean? calls in occasionally. Oh no, but I mean uh, behind the microphone. I mean uh, yeah. actually here yeah, in the right, studio. Right. There's uh, there's yes. one lady, uh, Julia, who has been on the show for a few years now, and she's more off these days than uh, than she is on, and I, you know, I find that unfortunate. Uh, but she's uh, she's got a job that requires that she drives two hours a day and works ten hours at the job, so it, I don't blame her. Uh, she is expecting to be in this Friday. Uh, it's likely she will be arriving late into the studio. So if you tune in Friday, there's I would say uh, I don't know 50 percent chance that uh, that she'll be actually on the air here, and I realize that that's uh, that. People would like to hear more of her, but unfortunately, one of the things you need to understand about the way this show operates is 
for a long time, Free Talk Live was a labor of love between the people that uh, that put it together in that we did this show for many, many years without actually receiving any manner of significant compensation. Yes, I understand that. I appreciate that. Right. You know? So I don't basically I, I don't have the money to hire a lady to come in here and <laughs> uh, and do the show. And All so right. so we'll do our best to uh, to try to bring Julia back on as uh, as often as possible. But we, we we want more women on the show, too. Yeah. Babbage. And that's one of the reasons why we have the uh, the ladies come first phone policy on this on this show, so that women who are listening know that they can chime in with their thoughts. And if there are three guys on hold, if they uh, if a lady calls in, then she gets moved right up to the front of the phone queue. So there's that factor uh, here as well. So we do everything we can to encourage the participation of uh, lady listeners in uh, and on this program. So what else was on your mind tonight? Right. Well, just want to say there's no such thing as property rights. There's only property responsibility. What do you mean? I mean that we're only on this land temporarily. You know, we're born, we live, and we die. And we can't just use land. We have to think of it as we're holding for the next user. I agree with that, and I think the best way to get people to um, act in a responsible fashion is to incentivize them properly. And I think that owners are the ones that treat their their land and their property the best and that renters g- generally treat it the worst. And governments don't treat it well either. There's too much land for that to be the truth. There's too much what? Oh, bye. Oh, I, I, I didn't quite make out what he said. There's too much what in land? Looted, looted land, I think he said. Looted land. We can address that point coming up here because he's right. There's a lot of looted land. We can talk about why that is the case. And then I want to get back to the issue of uh, the indigenous folks and rights to property and that sort of thing. You're welcome to bring up whatever you want. It's Free Talk Live. On Free Talk Live, we talk about investing in gold and silver as a hedge against inflation, investment, and barter currency. We've teamed up with Midas Resources to offer you some great rates on some hand-picked gold and silver pieces. U.S. Eagles, British Sovereigns, 20 Francs, Lakota Nation Silver Rounds, Montana Silver Reserves, and Walking Liberty Halves. Call 877-857-9938 or go to gold.freetalklive.com. The shipping is the same for one as it is for 20, so try to get as many as you can all at once. Gold.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything. Dial in toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Wayne. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. We give you the features for free. We've got our wiki with over 2,000 pages created by listeners like you. Head on over and get interactive. W-I-K-I wiki.freetalklive.com. That's wiki.freetalklive.com. The Institute for Humane Studies Summer Internship Program is now accepting applications. They have uh, seminars on all kinds of topics, and most of them centered around freedom and liberty. Uh, if you're a college-age student, go check out these uh, the libertarianseminars.com. They have locations in major cities across the country. They provide housing and meals. All you have to do is get there. Deadline, March the 31st. It's really, really the deadline is March the 31st. LibertarianSeminars.com. All right, 800-259-9231 as we continue. Uh, we're going to continue the property rights discussion here in a moment. But first, uh, to answer the question about the property that is just being, what was the term? Looted, I looted, think. Looted, yeah. Was uh, the term that uh, Tom, I think, used earlier, or Tim, rather? Most of the land in the U.S. has been looted in some way or another. At one what does time that mean? Or another. Looted. 
looted, what, what, taken from somebody by force. I see. I see. I think when he said looted, he meant like clear-cutting uh, trees and just ravaging a, a particular mm-hmm. piece of property away from its native state or its normal state, sure, polluting so the, it. That so the question thing. is, what hands would it be best in to be preserved? And if it's in a private individual's hands, it's usually cared for better than when government takes these things over and then they try to manage it and then... All of a sudden, there's more forest fires, there's more neglect, there's more uh, letting the land be used by their corporate buddies to mine or to whatever. And that's really what it is, that last part, where the government actually owns significant swaths of land in this country. Especially out west. And the government land managers aren't owners, so they don't have the same interest. They're not going to have to resell the land down the line or bequeath it to their children or something like that. They don't have the same uh, interests in the land, and so therefore, they're not as interested in protecting it. And they they rent it out, basically. They lease the land out to corporate owners who do these things that you're talking about. They strip mine it. They come in and they cut down all the trees or whatever it is. Whatever the resource is on that land, they they basically lay waste to it. And I think that's what he was referring to there at the, the very end of his right. call. Sure. Some people do treat their land badly and then, you know, then sort of let it go fallow or whatever it is that they do afterwards. But that in and of, of itself has a certain level of value. Uh, if you clear cut land, I'm trying to imagine the th- bad things that one can do to land. The worst thing I can think of is like dumping, uh, you know, glow in the dark radioactive liquid on it. And it's been done. You know, mm-hmm. no doubt people do that. If you do something like that, then likely what you're doing is polluting land around your land too which that you know or the that's aquifer or something violation. like that and that's a po- property rights violation of if you if you get down into the aquifer you're mm-hmm. you're violating a lot of people's property rights and you're gonna have a great deal of, li- of liability on that and i don't think anybody should be exempt from the liability for things that they do and i don't care if they're hiding behind a corporate veil as far as i'm concerned uh, those things are illegitimate uh, you know govern uh, the government provides illegitimate protections for people yeah. through corporate uh, corporations and incorporation and stuff like that but if somebody does clear cut their land, then well, somebody else might come along and say, "Hey, I want to make some pasture land out of this. It's more valuable to me because all the trees are down, or whatever." Um, so there's there's a certain amount of value to that. I'm not saying that it's perfect because it couldn't be. Perfect means no. the way you think the world should be run, and not going to happen. The world is never going to be run the way you want it to be, ever, 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 ever. No, you, you can, can only control that. You can only control you. And so, if what you want to see is nature being left alone and allowed to be in its right. natural state. The last state, organization you want to give that nature to is the government. Because right. the government has shown time and again, over and over throughout history, they don't care about land the same way you do. Now, maybe you're somebody who uh, works for a living and, and you don't have a significant amount of capital with which to just go around buying up property and to protect it. Well, that's okay. There are people who have already been doing this. And so, therefore, you can find an organization like the Nature Conservancy. Conservancy, Audubon Society, I believe, also does Ducks it. Ducks Unlimited. Ducks Unlimited. You can find these uh, private organizations, charitable organizations, that will take contributions, and you can decide to give them five bucks a month or something like that. You know, whatever it is that's co- comfortable for you. If you check them out and you make sure that they're doing things the way you think that they should be doing, as far as taking care of the land in the way that you think is appropriate, and then you allow them to go out on your behalf, basically, and buy up land and sit on it and take care of it in the way that uh, that you think is most appropriate. And that's the best way that's to protect the, best, the best earth. way to do it because giving it to the government is a bad idea oh, look God, at anwar it's a terrible idea it's terrible if you care about the environment you shouldn't let the government touch it right. my goodness what would you be thinking absolutely ludicrous all right so back to this uh, email from charles who's asking some i think pretty pretty good questions and important questions about the issue of other beings and property rights i mean we're pretty clear that man versus man 
each man can have his own property and do as he pleases with it. I mean, in an ideal society, obviously, without the government regulations and code enforcements and things like that that we've been talking about over the, the last few days. But in, I, in an ideal world, uh, each man or woman would have uh, their own property and get to decide what they want to do with it. But what happens when a strange alien race comes into uh, the mix? As uh, he brings up Avatar, where humans invade an alien world and uh, destroy the property of, of the natives there. Is it because they uh, they make silly noises and you know they don't uh, necessarily speak in the same way that we do that they don't they aren't deserving of property rights? Well, Mark, you said they absolutely deserve property rights because well the people in that movie were able to develop a communication ability with these people they were able to translate their language right. into English and you know they could come to these conclusions that hmm these people can think too right uh, in so, this but, movie it was uh, in this movie it was clear that these people were basically giant blue humans. So, yeah. yes, he asked, do they deserve rights? Yes, they do. So, 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 but what about something that isn't maybe as able to communicate as easily? What right. about now, a this chimpanzee? Is you, this is where you really get into the murky stuff. Um, chimpanzees, gorillas, both yeah. of these have been shown relatively recently to have the ability ability to communicate. Now their language is different, but they can use they can Simple. use yeah button pushing and uh, right. you know p- pointing at pictures and things like that. They can actually you can talk to sen- in sentences to these things, and they right. can they can make sentences back. To to you right and very so, basic but nonetheless there's communication yep. ability and i'm sure that they likely have the uh the idea of mine right because i've seen uh the, you, these uh, gorilla, great apes uh what was the, the one that was being uh coco coco mm-hmm. the gorilla uh she would i think she had a little doll or something like that there was some sort of uh thing that she had that she would cuddle and and do things with and you know keep with her on a regular basis i mean you would think that that is kind of a mine mentality right yeah well, you know, there's mine, and then there's uh, what about I want to be free? I mean, I'm sure Coco, <laughs> an adult male gorilla, can, as I understand it, bench press three thousand pounds. Yeah, they can pick your car up and toss it a little distance. So, um, you can't just keep a gorilla in. Uh, you, they can't sleep in the spare bedroom if, if, for whatever reason, he decides, you know, I'd like to snatch your arm out of socket. Uh, you know, pull, pull, yep. pull it off just that quick. It's it's over. So the idea of, I mean, generally at night they get they put in cages, things like that. Um, what I mean, how how can you imprison an animal that can speak like that, or a an, a, a primate like we are primates, uh, a, a yet another great great ape like us? Um, how can you imprison that, uh, that that individual when they can speak? How it's, can I imprison my cats? They understand things that I say to them. They uh, do tricks and things yeah, like that. Yeah. They found that dogs can understand something like 200 words. Oh, I thought it was like five. Whatever. Maybe it's five. It was an early study that I seen that was I saw that was 200. So mm. there's more here. 800-259-9231. He's got a few more questions we need to get through. Uh, but where do you? How do you draw the line? And and why do we get to draw the line? Is because we're more powerful? Is that is that it? Uh, there's a lot to discuss here. 800-259-9231. You can share your thoughts. It's Free Talk Live. You can listen to Free Talk Live on the radio via podcast, the webcam, and our live streams at freetalklive.com. Not enough options? Now you can listen to Free Talk Live from any phone, anywhere. Add this number to your phone, 760-569-7752. It's a long-distance call, so make sure you're familiar with your phone's calling plan. The Free Talk Live listen lines are airing the latest episode of Free Talk Live 24 hours a day, including our live shows. Call 760-569-7752. That's 760-569-7752.
This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up what you want if you dial in toll-free at 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Wayne. And Mark. Join us on our website, freetalklive.com. The features are free, so enjoy those. And those features include various different ways to listen to the show, 24-hour listening options, including live streams, broadband, and dial-up versions. We've got a webcam, also the listen lines, which allow you to listen via any phone that can dial long distance, any time of the day or night, over at listen.freetalklive.com. All the details are there. Get tuned in at listen.freetalklive.com. And the School Sucks podcast is a show about the end of government education. You know, the government school system that sucks off the productive capacity of hardworking people. And whether it succeeds or it fails at providing real education to the public, it fails. The cost goes up year after year and there are no refunds. Oh, yeah. And it also destroys individualism and curiosity. You can visit SchoolSucksProject.com to learn more about the School Sucks podcast. That's SchoolSucksProject.com. We're sharing an email from Charles, who is asking some fairly uh, important questions about the nature of property rights and who should have them. And what are the criteria for determining who should have them? The issue of uh, Avatar, the movie, brought this up, where the indigenous folks of uh, Pandora, the nine-foot-tall blue creatures with the tails, had their property rights invaded by the uh, the alien humans who came in, kicked them off their homes, and stole the the uh, the, the minerals from underneath the, that land from them. Right, and it's a it's a it's a great question, um, and I'm not really confronted in my own personal life because I can't do anything about how zoos treat uh, primates or um, how you know people in general treat. Uh, primates or whatever. I, I can't do anything about that. But when you start going down the list of intelligent animals, I, I'm not eating too many chimpanzees or dolphins mm-hmm. or anything like that. But it's not too far when you get down that list to pig. And I eat plenty of them. How about you? Yeah, I've yeah. eaten bacon a number of times. And and when you're looking at when you say it's not too far. It's not too far from a DNA kind of perspective. I mean, they're only a change here and a change there or whatever that, I mean, on the scheme of things, Mm -hmm. that differentiate us from cats and dogs. I mean, we're fairly close. Uh, we're fairly close matches to all kinds of creatures. So we are, we have the ability to, uh, to emote, uh, and to speak clearly about what we want and make our intentions known but just because we can do that doesn't mean that animals don't have feelings and that animals don't have uh, some animals don't have a concept of property rights what about an insect i mean we obviously have no way of even knowing what kind of things they know they don't have the same kind of uh, system that we do so odds are good they're not quite as uh, capable of such things uh, but the animals and the mammals you know let's look at just the world of mammals here they're there are a lot of similarities between us and them. Mm. Where do you draw the line? And back to his questions here, uh, what about highly intelligent animals? What about not so intelligent animals? What about mentally deficient people? Where do you draw the line and what is the qualifier for those who should and should not have rights? And I think that one of the points that has been made before, and I think it's important to make it every time this discussion comes up, because a lot of times the discussion comes up in just the the issue of animal rights and not not killing them or not uh, using them for tasks or whatever. If the animal is willing to respect rights, then it should have them. If the animal is willing to not kill you, then maybe it shouldn't be killed? I don't know. Cows don't kill too many people. That's true. There is that point. But my cat, if he had the ability, would absolutely slice me up and and eat me. 
Yeah. <laughs> well, you're small enough. Yeah, if you're yeah. small enough. It, it smells right, good. If the roles were reversed, he would have no... Uh, he really wouldn't want to keep me around. He likes for to fun. chomp on parts as it is. He'd play with me for fun as he was killing me, but right. you know, in, indeed, and that's that's an issue of predators. But most of us uh, in in this society don't eat predators. It's just not. Common. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. So what about the the docile animals that wouldn't attack you, but still they wouldn't necessarily. It doesn't necessarily have to be li- living the right of uh, life. It can also be the right of property. This and, concept is what we're talking about here. Right. I mean, animals uh, don't my, respect that. My my house is relatively new. Um, you know, and we don't. Dug into the ground, disturbed all kinds of things going on there. I mean, you know, insects and and probably rodents and things like that have been disturbed by the the building of my house on land where it previously wasn't. Should up should my house be torn down and uh, I you know do some kind of recompense to these these critters that I have <laughs> disturbed? That that's that doesn't sound right to me. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'll tell you what, I'm not doing it. You know, since we're talking about movies no. here, I actually did watch District Nine, which was recommended by some of our listeners recently on the air. Mark and Wayne, have either of you seen that no. one? District 9. It's about um, an alien ship that arrives over jo- Johannesburg in South Africa, and they go in and they take out all these beasts, these aliens uh, from the ship. They bring them down and they put them in a camp, basically. They call it District 9. And the that one of the things they say about the movie, uh, the, the creatures rather, is that they don't respect property rights. They don't get it, right? That they just... It's just not their culture. It's just not where they come from or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so they're being held there. And it really becomes a very – it's an interesting film because the, the the main character is a bureaucrat and kind of this typical bureaucrat not really caring about the consequences of the things that he does. He's the oppressor and he ends up becoming oppressed, ends up turning into one of the aliens. And that's, you know, that's kind of the transition in the character arc uh, that, that he experiences. But in the you know in the midst of all this is another property rights issue. Of this time, it's the incoming aliens that don't really get it when it comes to property. So they're having to have guns pointed at them and things like that. And when they do, you know, they take the wrong step, they're being shot by these uh, corporate mercenary type guys. And and so the issue is, is is pretty clear there. It's like, well, how do you deal with that? I mean, these are creatures that are able to communicate. They have the ability to communicate uh, because down the line they've been there for 20 years, and the humans are able to understand what they're saying but maybe they haven't quite gotten uh, the property rights thing or so initially if you can communicate with the creature does that mean that you should you know give it some allowance of understanding and and not necessarily use violence against it it's very touch i'm not even asking coherent questions here it's it's because it's a difficult uh it's a difficult uh area to, to to look into i mean you know at this point i'd really like to be able to respect the property rights of humans. Let's start there. Mm. And then, then we can work our way out to more intelligent animals. I promise not to eat any dolphins or chimpanzees until then. You know, that's that's kind of where I'm at. I, I like the idea of being able to respect the animals' rights, but then I, I get into this, you know, this 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 whole thing after that that gets, you know, it it's it's very difficult. You You can't do it. We go to your phone calls. Call in listening uh, via our studio cam at cam.freetalklive.com. Come in, uh, call in, you're on Free Talk Live. Hey, what's up, guys? What's on your mind tonight? Uh, well, it's more more about your, uh, you're talking about Avatar. I mean, Avatar is obviously based on real-world events, like namely the colonization of the Americas, mm-hmm. which they, they said they faced a very similar ethical situation. Right. If, I mean, if I mean, you obviously can't like if you can't expect humans to respect the property rights of Native Americans. I mean, the the debate at the time 
was about whether or not since these people that didn't have the European sense of property rights that they could be exterminated around up and allotted certain amounts of land. I mean, but like by by a colonial force, which is essentially the same thing in the movie. Right, and clearly we look at that and and we say that that uh, that was that was wrong. It was wrong of them to do that. Yeah, it was, it was morally abhorrent. But my my point is, if when humans contact other humans with which they have limited avenues of communication and foreign foreign concepts of property, like well, I don't I don't think I don't think there is a chance of of contacting an extraterrestrial being and have any hope of respecting their property rights whatsoever. Have any hope of them respecting our property rights? Or you vice saying? versa. Yeah, or, or vice versa, I guess, depending on which might be more technologically advanced in the, in the warfare department. Well, well, because if they were uh, not so peaceful extraterrestrial beings, then they wouldn't care about you. Yeah, there's, there's really not an issue. We'll make great pets. You know, I mean, that's, that's, it's not going to be a problem. I think there's. I think it's something to be stri- uh, striven for, or to be strived for. I think that humans should uh, strive to assign as many rights to uh, to people uh, to others as possible. But if they show that they aren't interested in in essentially returning that respect and also respecting your rights uh, in in response, then perhaps they don't deserve them. But then again, at the same time, is that is, a, is that a justification for violence? That doesn't make me feel right. Well, it's, it's the violence is inevitable, and I'll explain it when we get back. All right, I Colin, mean, you, you can hang on if you want to. to happen. Hang on. 800-259-9231. It's the SACL CAI toll-free line. You can bring up anything, even in these remaining moments. Uh, this is Free Talk Live. enough time for your call, but you'll have to make it now, 800-259-9231. That number brought to you by SACL CAI, 1-800-259-9231 tonight. Ian with you. And Wayne. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features are totally free, so enjoy those on us. And if you like the show and you want to help support Free Talk Live, you can learn how to promote us over at promote.freetalklive.com. There are a number of different ways for you to help get Free Talk Live into more ears around the world. Go to promote.freetalklive.com to learn more. Uh, Colin, are you still with us in Washington? Yeah, yeah. Okay, we're talking about property rights. Uh, we had some great. We had a great email come in with a lot of really challenging questions about uh, how to handle the issue of property rights. And uh, when you start going outside of the realm of human beings, uh, you start looking at animals and possibly extraterrestrials. How would you? How do you deal with all that? And Mark, you said you were going to explain something well, about violence being inevitable with something with another kind of animal or alien that doesn't respect property not, rights. I, I, this isn't about aliens. This is about real life. If we decided that for whatever reason. And uh, everybody decided tomorrow, yes, animals do in fact have rights and we need to respect them and, and everybody's going to go eat to eat and refried beans. I guess there's fat in refried beans. Well, it's going to be vegetable oil from here on out. Um, you know, to, eating vegan and, and not disturbing the poor animals. Mm-hmm. First off, I, I want you to understand what's going to happen to the dairy cows. Ooh. Their udders are going to rupture within 15 hours. Mm. Okay? So now you have stinking cow bodies lying all over the place okay so no, yeah. it wouldn't be worth anybody's time to feed them either um, because you can't because you can't eat them yeah right so um you know it but with the dairy cows it wouldn't matter the the, so the cows likely, will start dying off right so the, the the beef cattle they'll they'll be able to eat the grass and stuff like that assuming that people didn't want to kick them off their land to grow the more uh you know grains and beans and all that stuff that will become be more eating. valuable yeah. right so now what are you going to do with these beef cattle 
shoot him in the head. Yeah, they're a pest now. Right. Um, now, how about the cats and dogs that we can no longer keep imprisoned in our homes? That's true. There are and animal rights activists that absolutely believe what that. About, uh, what about uh, the reproductive rights of these animals? These are very important. I don't know about you, but I have uh, dramatically affected the reproductive rights of uh, Senior Grouchy That's Pants right. and Fruit Loop at Mr. my house. Mr. Ravage has uh, been sliced and diced. Right. So this is a big issue, and a lot of people haven't affected the reproduction reproductive rights of their pets, so they release them upon the the world. Uh, when I was in Greece, there were cats everywhere. Yeah. These things were pests. Um, they 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 were so hungry, so ravenously hungry. They ate a, ate a chocolate cookie out of my hands. They jumped at you, right? <laughs> <to get it? laughs> they, they they began eating, going after each other to eat this cookie. It was it was a it was a cat fight, as it were. So right, the, the dogs. So, now the, then these animals become pests. They're in the garbage. They're they're, they're reproducing. Land. They're, they're, yeah. they're, they're they're to the point that they're all over the place. We already have to cull deer, and fortunately, people choose to eat them. If they didn't choose to eat them, what would we do with these things? Bury them? Put a little headstone by it? It's ludicrous. Yeah, it really, it really right? is ludicrous. At this, at this point, I, I mean, I don't know what steps it would take to get to get there. Um, one has to make these decisions for oneself, how one wants to go. Uh, but so, how do you draw the line, though? I mean, how, how Colin, do I personally draw the line? Colin, any thoughts on that? Uh, well, actually, I was thinking. I wanted to. I want to ask another Native Americans-related question before before you're done. Sure. So, uh, like, you could say, like, Native Americans before European colonization, I mean, like you, you said before, that the United States was probably the best experiment in minarchy history has to offer, am I right? Pretty good. Yeah, well, I mean, the Native Americans lived, a, a, like, a really, a fairly solidly libertarian lifestyle, and yes, the only they reason did. they didn't, yeah, they didn't have such a, a system of property rights is because they lived in such ridiculous plenty like unimaginable abundance. Well, there were still the fights European between uh, Indian. Yeah. Well, they called them Braves for a reason. I mean, they you know yeah. they, they would fight each other. But human, all yeah, human it, beings are up here, up here in Washington. They're really like up here in Washington. There was like very little in the way of warfare between the tribes. Interesting. Live here. Sure, but the the Americans came across the East Coast Indians first, and you know the Delaware sure. and uh, you know they, they, the Huron and all that that kind of stuff. The last of the Mohicans stuff, and uh, you know yeah, those were warlike people from the get go. Yeah. yeah, but but my question is, would then with the, with the independence of the United States and the subsequent colonization of the entire continent, is the independence of the United States a victory for libertarianism or is it a defeat for libertarianism? Oh, I would say what happened to the Indians was a horrific uh, embarrassment to uh, mankind in general. I, I think that there's nothing libertarian uh, about that. Well, I, I don't. I think that at the same time, you know, the, these were cultures interacting. Um, so this stuff went back and forth and back and forth. The Indians would uh, at, at times, you know, have forays on the settlers, uh, you know, property and stuff like that. Is that yeah. okay, Ian? No, no, right. That's not okay either. So I mean, yeah, so no. you've got all these these but these it doesn't dynamics justify retaliatory force. It, uh, it doesn't. I mean, no. you're, you're trying to get your stuff violence back. Violence begets violence. Right. I agree. It does. What, no, you just said it doesn't justify it. Are you telling me I shouldn't be able to get back what was stolen from me? Oh, I think you should be able to get back. What, what if the was person who wants who took it from me I, it doesn't want to give it back? Well, as a colonist, you're stealing these people's land in the first place. How is that you're, so? I mean, these these people didn't have the same understanding of property rights that we did. So, I mean, just showing up means that you're stealing. Well, show, showing up and establishing. A border 
that those people can no longer cross when it, when once they could, I suppose, is sort of stealing. what if what if you uh, make some kind of agreement with their chiefs or whatever says, hey, we'd like to live here, and I know this happened. We'd like to live here. They'd like to do that. Uh, you know, and I'm not saying the white people did a great uh, did a perfect job or anything like that of the colonists. I should say did a perfect job of uh, how they did it. It's my understanding William Penn, you know, did some trickery in getting Pennsylvania from the Indians, but um, you know, I, at the same time there was an agreement. True. So, so where do you it makes it very, line, right? very tough. Where, where, where do you draw the line, Colin, as far as answering uh, Charles's questions here about where do you draw the line and what is the qualifier for those who should and should not have rights? Well, I mean, since, since like, we've never come into contact with anything with even remotely the sort of cognitive abilities that a human has, I guess it's pretty clear cut. How do you now, know you haven't? How do I know we haven't? Oh. <laughs> I, 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 I guess I don't. Right. I mean, we we use these yardsticks like having a house to live in, shelter, and things like that. But I, you know, I couldn't tell you how complex a dolphin's, uh, you know, speech is. Yeah, right. That's true. Or, or, right. Or, I mean, we can look at the, the wonderful things that we've created and uh, the science and all of the very technical things that human beings have put together, and look at animals and say, well, they haven't done those things. Uh, but at the same time, that doesn't really speak to their cognitive abilities. Their goals and their priorities may just simply be different. So what's like the difference between Europeans and Native Americans? So so basically you're saying you 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 would draw the line at humans simply because you believe that uh that we're superior? I w- I would draw the line at humans because that seems like an effective an effective practical measurement for the kind of world we're talking about. Thanks for the call tonight. I appreciate hearing from you at 800-259-9231. I have to agree with him. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Yep, thank you for the call. 1-800-259-9231. What about the last two questions he has in his email here? What if the Neanderthals or Homo erectus were still alive? Where would they stand? You know, I don't know. Um, I, you know, not knowing a great deal about the, the Neanderthals, it's my understanding that they had uh, a certain level of, uh, of linguistic ability, but it, it's difficult to know. What does that mean precisely? Does that mean they're able to arcu- articulate kind of like my son Jack does, where he can say, you know, he can say uh, mama, dada, and poop? Mm. I mean, uh, you know, is... Uh, Children certainly don't. Uh, I mean, young children certainly don't understand property rights. I, I look. I exercise force with Jack. I did today. Um, you know, when I needed to uh, change his diaper and he was busy doing other things, I picked his little butt up and I laid it down. And um, fortunately, I used a certain le- level of uh, trickery with him. I, I handed him something that was electronic, <laughs> electronic, and made noise. Yeah. And I, he changed his mind about what whether he wanted to be there or not. But uh, you know, I changed his diaper, and that. You know that's that's exercising force. Wayne, where do you draw the line? Aggression. It does. It doesn't really matter. Uh, you know what, whether it's what planet someone's from or where they're from. Really, what people don't like is aggression. So humans do. A certain percentage of humans are sociopathic predators, and then everybody else kind of falls behind that. And I think we all have the ability, if we have too much power, to become that way to some degree. But if you look at what happened to, with the white man and the Indians. Well, the white men were, were basically of a European mentality, which they were very aggressive, and they came here and they took over in the way they saw fit. And, of course, they were aggressing against the Indians, and they had no regard for their, their needs, their well-being, or, or their, their way of life. And look where we are today. So aggression, I think that's a fair line to draw. I mean, I... Aren't uh, I aggressing against the pig? Well... Would the, the pig the honor pig, your rights? It's not right. The no. pig is going to aggress against your property. 
the pig is going to come around and, and eat your I, Currently, your the, you know, when, when I had pigs, I kept them in a little cage. It's not like they were aggressing against anything. They were mm. waiting for me to come out and throw food at them. That was their boring little life. Yeah, and I think that, uh, that, that what the things that we have on this planet, I think, are here for our enjoyment. And eventually, if some superior alien race comes along, <laughs> we will qualify as things that are here for their enjoyment. And that will be quite a turnaround for, you know, uh, for, for mankind if that, uh, if that actually occurs. Yeah. And what are we going to do about it? We can complain, but it ain't going to make a difference. Hopefully you uh, keep, it, keep your animals in captivity and you keep them well. Yeah, I think treat them as, uh, as humanely as you possibly can. Yeah. That makes the most sense. Hey, we're out of time. Been a good discussion. Thanks, Wayne. Thanks, Mark. More tomorrow night. Join us online in the meantime at freetalklive.com. The following edition of the Edgington Post interview series is brought to you by the Free Talk Live AMP program. Become a Free Talk Live amplifier today for as little as three bucks a month. Get perks and help us get on more radio stations and more internet connections at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. And here's Mark. It's another edition of the Edgington Post. Here on uh, Free Talk Live, this is Mark Edge with you, and I've got on the line Peter Schiff. Peter, you're running for Senate out of uh, Connecticut. Tell me yes, about your campaign. Yes, I am. Yeah. I'm trying to get the nomination for the Republican Party. And how's that going? I know that uh, it, it should be coming up real soon as far as the, uh, uh, the election. I, I've, I've been reading your emails sort of briefly, and I know that, uh, the, that the nomination process is beginning to heat up. So tell, tell me about it. Well, the, the actual primary is not until August. We do have a convention ah, coming right. up in, in May, so I have an opportunity to you know, win the nomination through the convention process. But if I can't win at the convention, then I have to try to win it through uh, a primary election, which would be in August. Do you, um, I mean, I, I live in sort of an insular world where the name Peter Schiff is a big one that I recognize. Um, but I'm, I'm wondering, you know, obviously other people don't live in my world. So what are, what are your chances? How, what are they looking like? Well, you know, I think they're pretty good. I mean, right now, the other two candidates, uh, Linda McMahon and Rob Simmons, are polling higher than I am because their, their names are well known. Simmons, because he's, you know, been elected three times to Congress in Connecticut. And so he's been involved in politics. And so he's well-known for that reason. People mm-hmm. know the name. And then Linda McMahon has spent, I don't know, $7 million or more already on uh, commercials, on direct mail. And so she's bought some name recognition. And so she's got some support. And, you know, I'm just getting started, really. So I have some name recognition. I have some support. We had a debate last night. I think I, uh, you know, helped myself out there. I think uh, the, the general consensus is I, you know, I, show, I did the best, of course, uh, you know, I was the most compelling of the candidates, so I'm sure I picked up some support uh, because of last night's debates. I'm going to be starting television commercials of my own soon. I just, you know, we just shot a, my first commercial on Monday, so it's got to get edited and they got to work it out. But we're going to start running commercials. Uh, we should have a mailer uh, out this month, and you know, start doing some direct mail pieces. I'm speaking at a lot of local uh, events, so you know, we're getting the word out there. We're just campaigning, and uh, ultimately, I think that. You know, my story is very compelling. I think that a lot of uh, Connecticut voters will end up supporting me. Hopefully we get enough of them and I get the nomination. 
It, yeah, it, it, it sounds promising. I, I've, uh, you know, I've, I've been keeping somewhat up to date on uh, the campaign through your, through your emails. Um, now, for the, for the audience's sake here, uh, um, tell us, um, tell them some of the things that you'll be, uh, you'll be looking forward to doing when you get into the Senate. Well, you know, I think uh, the country is really, you know, in, in the process of a major economic collapse. I think. Uh, the process began in 2008 with the bursting of the housing bubble and the ensuing credit crunch. But unfortunately, the government has responded exactly the way I feared they would respond. You know, I wrote a book called Crash Proof. I had a profit from the coming economic collapse that I've since revised. People can buy Crash Proof 2.0 if they haven't read my book. But I forecast uh, what was going to happen to the U.S. economy and the way it would implode and the actions the government would take to try to reflight the bubble and how that would usher in a much bigger crisis, which is exactly what's happening. And so I want to try to go to Washington to head this thing off. I think we're in real danger of destroying our economy, destroying our currency, unleashing you know, runaway inflation, maybe hyperinflation, sky-high interest rates. You know, twice as many people could be unemployed as are today. Uh, you know, we could end up with uh, you know, real civil unrest as a result of these severe problems. And you know, the people in Washington right now are clueless. All they want to do is continue to go deeper into debt and spend more money, hoping that that's going to turn the situation around, when the reason the country is in so much trouble is because of all the money we've already borrowed and spent that we never should have done, and, and, and going deeper into debt to buy more things we can't afford, whether the government's doing it or individuals are doing it, that is not going to turn the situation around. It's actually going to make it worse. You know, um, I I see these same numbers that you're talking about, just the incredible amount of dollar bills that the Federal Reserve has uh, has has printed. It's now my understanding that the Federal Reserve is buying treasuries, uh, which is really frightening. I mean, that's that's like well, they're buying everything. They're buying mortgages. They're buying auto loans. They're buying credit card debt. I mean, they're trying to keep this house of cards from imploding. Yeah, but you know. This, the, 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 the sign is that you know, the reason that all this debt is, 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 is losing value is because Americans are so indebted they can't pay back their loans. We need to stop the spending. We need to stop the borrowing. The market is trying to do that, but the government won't let it happen because it wants to perpetuate the fantasy that we have a viable economy, that it's okay to keep buying stuff that's made in other countries and paying for it with a credit card. Yep. You know, well, I, I guess what my what I wonder about that is uh, currently the way it's sort of going in the, in the economy is business people are kind of sticking their heads back out of their holes and they're looking around and they're feeling like, Whew, I think the worst of it's over. And I look at these not, numbers. Not, on, not a chance. Right. They might think that, but they're completely wrong. All right. All right. Well, I, I kind of I kind of feel like they do to some extent because that I you know what I see happening is things look like they're getting a little better. But then I look at all these numbers that you're talking about, and I mean I'm I'm vaguely educated in this arena, and and I don't like well, what I see. Yeah. Well, here's the problem. I mean, most of the people, in fact, all of the people who are convinced the economy is recovering are the same people that couldn't see the recession coming even when it had started. Yeah. The same guys that I was arguing with on CNBC or on Fox, you know, who got it completely wrong are still on television getting it wrong once again. Yep, you're and right. They, they still don't understand the nature of the problem. Wasn't Bernanke... They, you know, that's that's why they, don't, they, they think the economy is recovering when it's not, because they don't even know what it needs to recover from. They don't understand the disease. So how, how can they tell if we're recovering from it? 
Yeah, it wasn't Bernanke quoted. Uh, isn't there a little YouTube clip of him saying, like, just before the housing bubble burst, that there is no problem with housing? And then <laughs> yeah, well, no, he said there was no bubble even at the at the peak of the bubble oh. in 2005. He was on television saying there was no bubble. He was saying that housing prices reflected the fundamentals, and he said it was possible that housing prices would level off at some point, but they would never have an appreciable decline. <laughs> and he said that even if housing prices did decline. It wouldn't have any kind of material impact on employment. I mean, he couldn't have been more wrong if his goal was to be wrong. Yeah. I mean, it, it, and the fact that this guy is still the Fed chairman and people think he actually knows what he's doing, he's clueless. Well, you need somebody like you with, uh, you know, with their hand on the checkbook in Washington, as far as I can tell, Peter. Um, I, I probably should ask something about foreign policy uh, since, it's, <laughs> since you're going to be making some decisions like that. What are your views on foreign policy? Well, you know, I, I want to try to have a more humble foreign policy, especially since we can't afford the adventurous uh, nation-building foreign policy we have right now. We're putting our national defense on a credit card. That ain't good. Yeah. Uh, so what we've got to do is have a foreign policy we can afford, uh, but also one that puts America first, that focuses on protecting America and Americans and keeping America safe, uh, not uh, you know trying to fulfill. Uh, these grandiose uh, desires on the part of our politicians uh, to try to interfere, you know, in every corner of the world and, and try to rebuild the co- uh, uh, nations uh, based on their own, uh, you know, uh, desires or plan. I mean, I, I don't want to have that kind of adventurous foreign policy. I want a foreign policy that keeps Americans safe, and that's it. You know, and I, I want to get, you know, the most protection for the lowest amount of cost. Especially since you know we are flat broke at this point, we're running a budget deficit of 1.5 or so trillion dollars this year. Uh, you know, yep. we've got to cut spending every place we can. Now, I think the majority of the spending cuts need to come from you know non-defense. And, you know, we've got we got to cut a lot of uh, you know civilian expenditures from the budget. There are a lot of departments that we need to abolish. Uh, we got to cut entitlements. I mean, we just can't afford. Uh, to make out to make these payments when there's no money there. Indeed, I I can't disagree with any of that, um, Peter. Uh, you know, I, I'm thinking that uh, our audience likely is uh, are the kind of people that agree with uh, with most of the things you're saying here. So, if they want to help you get better name recognition uh, there in Connecticut, what what can they do to help? Well, there are a couple of ways that people can help get me elected. And even though I'm running in Connecticut. You know, having me in the Senate will benefit you no matter where you live. Indeed. I mean, just look at Ron Paul. I mean, he's a great example. He's in Clute, Texas. But yeah, I feel I'm like- going to be able to do a lot more than Ron Paul because a, a, a senator is much more powerful legislatively than, than, a, than a member of the House. That much is true. And I'm one of 100 as opposed to, you know, one of 450. So theoretically... Just numbers-wise, I'm for Ron Pauls just based on the percentage of the, of, of, of the body that I control. Right. I guess I'm one out of 100 as opposed to one out of 400, what is it, 435 uh, congressmen? That's, that's right. I, 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 I uh, so, but the power of the filibuster, see, in the House, right. you know, to block things, we just need 40, you know, we can, if we just have 41 votes, you know, we can, we can re, you know, have a filibuster against raising the national debt. And so if I can just convince 40 other senators to stand with me, uh, we can shut this government down and force the government to make the spending cuts uh, that so far no one in Congress has the guts to make. Well, I want to make them. I want to force those spending cuts on our politicians before this whole country unravels. So if you want to help get me to Congress 
there's two ways you can do it. You can go to my website, which is www.shiftforsenate.com. Shift and you spelled. can make a contribution. Yes, we need money. You know, it's is- going to take a lot of money to win the Republican nomination and then to win the general election. So I need as much money as I can get from as many people as who would donate. So you can donate directly on my website, shiftforsenate.com, or you can look at the address on the website and just mail me a check. And then also on my website, you can sign up to be a volunteer. You can work on the campaign. Even if you don't live in Connecticut, we've got plenty of things for you to do. We've got a phone banking online where you can make phone calls. We have all the voters' names and phone numbers in the state in, in, in the evenings, in your spare time. You pick up the phone. You make some calls. You've got a little script to read. Even if no one's there, you leave a short message on their answering machine. You tell the voters of Connecticut about Peter Schiff, that I'm in the race, and why they need to support me and why they need to vote for me. And, you know, if we all work on this, uh, you know, I, I can win. And if I can win, the country has a chance. Yep. Uh, it's all is all that needs to happen for you to win is for people to vote for you. And is all that needs to happen for people to vote for you is for them to know your name and get to hear your message. It's, uh, you know, yeah, it's, I think the time is right. It I mean, is. It, people are fed up with what's happening in Washington. They're fed up with politicians. There isn't a single uh, Washington politician who accurately predicted in the, in the Senate uh, the financial crisis. I know Ron Paul made a lot of accurate predictions, but there's no one in the Senate who did. Right. And, and so it, I think the fact that I've got that, that, that unique background, that I wrote a book predicting the crisis, that I went on television warning about the problems, and that nobody listened to me. People, people want my perspective in Washington. They know had I been talking as a senator that maybe my warnings would have been heeded. And maybe the country wouldn't be in this much mess if people had listened to me sooner. Indeed. But you know what? You know, better late than never. Yeah. So maybe we, maybe they'll start listening to me in 2011 if I can get elected. You know, in November of 2010. Thank you very much, Peter. Um, I, I appreciate you, uh, you know, coming on with me, especially at such a short notice. It's uh, shiftforsenate.com. That's it. Thank you, sir. All right. Thanks a lot. Good evening. Have you been thinking about starting a website? I'm going to tell you about a great offer from HostGator. HostGator is a worldwide leader for web hosting, and they make it easy to get your own .com domain name. You create your very own website with their free site builder tools and templates. Use the coupon code FTL, that's FTL is in Free Talk Live, and sign up at HostGator.com to receive your first month completely free. Whether you want a personal blog or a complete e-commerce business website, let the experts at HostGator.com host you. 